Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. Ballots are being counted this week in what could be a watershed election in Bessemer, Alabama, but it's not for a political office. The vote will determine whether nearly 6,000 employees of the Amazon warehouse in Bessemer will be represented by a union, something Amazon has forcefully resisted in its workplaces across the country. Our guest today, veteran reporter Alec McGillis, has a new book which explores Amazon's impact on American life. But it isn't just about Amazon. McGillis looks at the growing disparities in wealth and prosperity, not just among American households, but among the regions where Americans live. Places that are technology hubs, mainly on the east and west coasts, are seeing growth in jobs and income that spawns soaring housing prices and plenty of high-end restaurants, while other regions stagnate, leaving once prosperous families struggling, alienated, and angry. We should note that Amazon is a financial supporter of NPR. Alec McGillis is a senior reporter for ProPublica and the recipient of a George Polk Award, among other honors. He worked previously at the Washington Post, the Baltimore Sun, and the New Republic. He was last on Fresh Air to talk about his book, The Cynic, a biography of Senator Mitch McConnell. The title of his new book borrows the term Amazon uses for its warehouses, Fulfillment Centers. The book is Fulfillment, Winning and Losing in One-Click America. Alec McGillis joins us from his home in Baltimore. Alec McGillis, welcome back to Fresh Air. Let's start for a moment talking about this union vote at the Amazon warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama. It's gotten a lot of attention, you know, a, a video message from President Biden. Why is it such a big deal? The stakes are just enormous here. I mean, this is really the the first time that any union has gotten this far in trying to organize an Amazon warehouse. No warehouse has ever gotten to hold a, a full vote like this. And if you step back a little bit, I mean, this really is, this could help decide the question of what work uh, is going to look like, what life is going to look like for the working class in America um, in, in years to come. The Amazon warehouses have spread so much in the country, have become so huge, so so ubiquitous, especially over this past year when we all started buying so much more online, that working in an Amazon warehouse has really kind of become the a sort of mass labor option for, for Americans, the way that going to work in the factory um, or at the mall uh, used to be. Now, if you're sort of looking for work in a given place, you can go to the Amazon warehouse and get a job there. But those jobs are really difficult, really challenging, with incredibly high pressure, high demand expectations inside these warehouses, and they're paid um, not that much. Right. And we should note that this vote takes place in Alabama, which is not a union-friendly state. And 
Amazon says it pays $15 an hour, which is, I think, twice Alabama's minimum wage. There are health benefits, and yet this effort has managed to get some real momentum. Just help us understand why, you think? It's for, for a couple of reasons. One is that when we talk about the wage, it's important to, to think about what we're comparing it to. It's true that it's twice the minimum wage in, in Alabama, and it's, and it's more than one might make at, say, a fast food job. But it's also less than what many other warehouse jobs have paid in, in the past, warehouse jobs that tend to be um, more kind of stable, longer tenure kind of warehouse jobs, you know, working at the local, you know, beer warehouse or mattress warehouse um, is something that in a lot of places would actually still pay more than the Amazon job does. The Amazon job also does pay quite a bit less than the manufacturing jobs of yore that sustain so much of the American working class, working middle class, despite the fact that the jobs in these warehouses are often nearly as strenuous or physically taxing as those manufacturing jobs were. The jobs in these warehouses are just incredibly physically strenuous often, very repetitive, very isolating. They're hard jobs to do, which is one reason why these warehouses have such enormous turnover. Tell us a bit about the conditions uh, of working in the Amazon warehouses. It is such demanding work, and it's not only demanding, but it's incredibly repetitive. Um, you know, I think a lot of us kind of hope that as work got more automated in warehouses like this and, and you, you got more and more robots into there that it would kind of free up people to do more sort of um, autonomous kind of fulfilling kind of work. In fact, the opposite has happened. Bringing the robots in has actually made the work more repetitive and more essentially robotic. Um, one main example of this is that you used to have to, the pickers, the, one of the main jobs in the warehouse are the pickers, and they used to have to roam the corridors um, looking for items. So you'd have to go up and down looking for X or Y item on, on your on your scanner. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of walking involved in that, but there's also a little bit of autonomy. You were out there on your own looking for things. Now, most warehouses, the robots bring the items to you. They're, they're these, they have these tall stacks of shelves on them. The, the robots are like these little Ottomans sort of that, that have these tall stacks of shelves on them. They zoom around and they bring the a robot will zoom a bunch of shelves over to you so that you can take out a given item that you need to fulfill an order. And so you're just standing there, there all day, just pulling the items out of the shelves as they come to you um, in the exact same spot. And essentially your work has not yet been replaced by robot only because because they're having a hard time teaching robots how to grab things. That's one of the tougher things for robots to do, to grab things of different shapes and sizes. So, so much of the work at the warehouse has now become even more kind of rudimentary and, and essentially robotic-like. And it's also just so isolating. The work is so, that isolating quality of the work has gotten even worse during the pandemic because there's been an effort to separate people out more on the floor so they don't give each other the virus. So work that used to be done maybe by two or three people in a given part of the floor is now done by just one person, which not only makes the jobs tougher, but also makes them more isolating. The loss of community in these in these jobs is you know is one of the big parts of what's changed. That the fact that you used to know all the people you worked with, you were maybe related to some of them. After you left work at the steel mill on Sparrows Point, you would often, of course, roll out of, of your shift and go to the bar, go to the diner, whatever it might be, with your the people you worked with. Um, now 
you go in, you do your shift, your 10 hour shift. It's very grueling, repetitive, demanding. And then you get the heck out of there. Um, a former mill worker who lives nearby says that you can just see every shift change as people come screaming out of the warehouses now, driving at such high speeds that they've had to put speed bumps in because people are just desperate to get out of there. There have been other organizing attempts at Amazon warehouses, and the company has resisted them. There have been some National Labor Relations Board complaints about that. There was uh, there was a, a settlement in which the company agreed to post certain messages in one of its plants. Has the company been more constrained in its efforts to fight the union here in Bessemer? They may have been somewhat more constrained because there was so much scrutiny on this particular election. They know that there are a lot of eyes on them, um, but they've still been quite aggressive in in trying to to head off the union just constant messages anti you know anti union messages coming to the workers they've you know as usual hired up firms to law firms that specialize in fending off unions there's just been a very strong a strong sense of, of just how displeased they would be if workers were to vote to organize to the point where there's some concern that Amazon might actually shut down this entire warehouse if there were, in fact, a vote to organize. So, no, they've been very, very aggressive um, while being somewhat I think, more aware of just of the fact that the eyes of the country are on them in this case. We'll see what happens. We should note that if the union wins this vote and they are the recognized bargaining agent for the factory, that doesn't mean they have a contract. Negotiating a contract is the next step, and that's a big one, right? It is. And it's also worth noting that because um, Alabama is a so-called right-to-work state, that even if the union were to win this election and if there were then um, you know, successful contract negotiations, workers would still have the right to opt out of paying dues for this union, since the right-to-work states give workers that choice. You write that, you know, if you go back a few decades, that the cities that had kind of among the highest median incomes included places like Cleveland and Detroit, and it's very different now. First of all, let's just take some of the areas that are really uh, getting the lion's share of growth, like Seattle, like San Francisco, Part of that is the tech industry. What is it about tech companies and their needs that tend to cause many of them to cluster in a particular location, even competitors? Why do they end up ganging up in places like Seattle and the San Francisco area? One is the natural tendency of the tech economy to agglomerate. That's sort of the fancy word for it, that with tech, you want to be around the other people who are innovating um, and coming up with advances. Um, it kind of harkens back to the, the role that cities have played throughout history, where they've become fonts of, of innovation, you know, Renaissance Florence or Glasgow in the 19th century when you have people together who are bouncing ideas off each other, coming up with innovations in proximity with one another, um, and also, of course, in proximity with with capital, with the venture capitalists who can who can fund their ideas and and, and help launch their companies, it helps to be in the same place to make that pitch at the cocktail party or in the elevator. This differs from the way that the manufacturing economy used to work, where 
once you came up with an advance, like, say, the steelmaking process that fueled the Industrial Revolutions, the Bessemer steelmaking process, once you came up with something like that, you could take that process and set up a factory or plant anywhere where you had the basic manpower and natural resources and transportation to get your product to market. Um, so that you could just sort of go out around the country and, and set up a steel mill um, anywhere where it, where it made sense. With tech, we instead see this kind of agglomeration where, where it's all about the human capital. So the, once you come up with a, a big software innovation, say the cost of producing that, that thing, whatever it might be, is negligible. All the value lies in that initial innovation. It's all about getting that human capital together to, to make those advances. And so you have that agglomerating effect in, in a handful of winner-take-all cities. So as you were writing about these great disparities in the United States among regions uh, and tech companies' role in it, you thought Amazon would be a good lens for examining all this. Let's just start with how big was Amazon before the pandemic? How big is it now? I think it's really kind of hard for us to even comprehend just how how biggest gotten. Um, it was huge already before the pandemic um, with several hundred thousand workers um, around the country, more than a hundred fulfillment centers, as they call their primary warehouses. Um, about you know 40% of the e-commerce market in the country was controlled by Amazon, um, just a, a huge share of it. The company, of course, has also been growing incredibly rapidly in, in a whole other realm, uh, namely the, the so-called cloud, um, the world of online tech infrastructure that other companies rent, essentially rent from Amazon um, in all these data centers that have also sprung up around the country. That's a whole other part of Amazon that's been incredibly lucrative for them. So they're already very large before the pandemic, but what has happened in this past year is really kind of hard to grasp. Um, in the span of just a single year, they hired more than 400,000 additional employees, and that does not include all the delivery drivers that we see all around our, our cities that are actually not technically employed by Amazon, even though they wear, wear Amazon jerseys and drive Amazon vans. Um, the company has added roughly 50% more warehouse space in just the past year. Its sales have gone up about 40% year over year. Its stock price went up more than 80%. Um, Jeff Bezos' personal wealth went up about $58 billion uh, over the past year. Um, perhaps because we're right in the middle of it, we, we can't really grasp just how much, how much bigger it's gotten. We may, be, we may be averting our eyes from the scale of the growth, partly because because we all feel somewhat complicit in it. The fact is that the, the company grew so much over the past year because um, Americans in much greater numbers than before really embraced the, the sort of one-click approach uh, to, to our daily life. And, and, and now we just see it. We see it everywhere around us. I mean, you see the vans just coming up and down your streets constantly. If you're out on the highway, the, the number of Amazon tractor trailers is just is just stunning and, and almost kind of eerie um, when you start to count them over a, just a short stretch of highway. Um, it's just an incredible growth in in reach and in size and penetration in our economy and in our daily life. Right. Now, of course, Amazon has been building, you know, scores of new warehouses and distribution centers, many of them in regions where, you know, good playing manufacturing jobs had disappeared. Um, 
you know, due to competition and automation. So when the company considers where to locate one of its facilities, which will create a lot of jobs, they can bargain with the host community for financial incentives. There's nothing new about this. Companies have been doing this for decades. Does Amazon play the game differently from other firms? Amazon is especially aggressive at this game. I mean, one of the things that really just astonished me was what I found in all my reporting and digging into these these communications between between the towns and cities and the company. I did a lot of public information requests and got a lot of the emails that went back and forth between them. Um, and just to see the the aggressiveness on Amazon's part, the obsequiousness on the part of the uh, local officials um, who are willing to offer these tax subsidies and incentives, and also the the pledges of secrecy. That's one of the key things. Amazon is especially insistent on secrecy um, to the point of even giving a lot of its projects code names. Um, so that when they go into a given town, a lot of people won't even know who the company is that's trying to build the data center on the on the edge of town. It'll have some some kind of code name that does not include the, the name Amazon. Let me just explore that for a moment. When you say secrecy, I mean, a lot of these, in some cases, they're, you know, a government subsidy is, is, a, is a public contract, and there are rules of transparency. There are right-to-know laws that allow citizens and journalists to get information. What kind of secrecy can the company impose that, I mean, that affects that? The company can impose or has managed to impose requirements that local governments not give up the identity of the company seeking to build this data center or warehouse until the last possible moment. They also urged local officials not to take questions from the press. Right, right. Now, of course, we're dealing with often local officials who are desperate to um, develop some economic growth for their citizens who are sorely in need of it. When a deal is done, eventually the public subsidies do become public. What kind of deals does Amazon get, and what's its impact on those communities? Typically, it's it's, it's some form of a of a tax subsidies where the company will not have to pay all the taxes that would normally be due, both on the property itself of of the warehouse or the data center or payroll taxes on the workers that will be employed at them. So um, essentially just a great reduction in its tax bill in the community where it's where it's setting up shop. And and the effect of this is, is of course, to erode the local tax base and, and to greatly reduce um, the, the amount of money that's coming into local coffers to support local services, to support the roads and the police and fire and schools. Um, and one reason this is a special problem is that Amazon when it when it comes into a community, of course, brings much greater demands for public services. There's all the just the, the wear and tear on the roads that come with the incredible increased traffic of of cars and trucks, delivery trucks. There are the frequent calls for um, emergency assistance at the warehouses. Um, the Amazon warehouses tend to have their own in-house medical teams that are called EM care, but they're not always on duty or they can't sometimes handle the severity of a given case, including some of the fatal accidents that I wrote about in the book. And so you have police and fire and EMS in the local community having to respond to the warehouses for lots of calls when Amazon is itself not supporting those services through, through the tax dollars that it has essentially been able to avoid paying. Did you find communities that regretted uh, making these deals? 
they absolutely they 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 see it as as very much of a of a mixed bag but in a lot of cases they feel like they have no choice you have communities that have been just really hollowed out by the loss of manufacturing jobs places that i focus on in the book you know in ohio especially southwest ohio that was just crushed by um by the loss of auto manufacturing jobs and other manufacturing jobs in the first couple of decades of the last couple of decades or places like baltimore another big focus in the book where you had the largest steel mill in the world um 30,000 jobs that completely vanished in the last few decades and left this entire peninsula outside Baltimore just wiped clean of the massive employment base that used to be on offer there and left local officials just desperate to get anything in there. And so there they were a few years ago handing out subsidies to bring in an Amazon warehouse where jobs were then paying 13 or $14 an hour when at that very same that very same location you had a steel mill where jobs were paying $35 more an hour not so long ago this the city of chicago in Chicago, tens of thousands of people have lost their jobs during the pandemic's first year. Some were able to file for unemployment benefits to help soften the blow of job loss, but others were left behind. No place has been affected more than the city's black neighborhoods, where the fallout has led to even more struggles. WBEZ's Esther Yoonji Kang has the story. For a couple of years leading up to the pandemic, 53-year-old Leah Carlos was cobbling together a living with random jobs she got through temp agencies. Every form of income was uh, gig-related. Some were serving, others were cashiering, working at convention sites as a registration agent. So when COVID-19 hit last March, all those opportunities dried up. Carlos filed for unemployment last April, but she was denied benefits because she'd made too little in her previous gigs to be eligible to collect unemployment. She got a letter saying as much. Well, for me, it was you know enough to not even try to go that route anymore. Once I saw the letter, I said, oh, well, that's okay. Carlos is black and lives in the Gage Park neighborhood on Chicago's south side. She doesn't have a car, and most of the jobs she wants to apply for are in the suburbs. She saw some customer service jobs at a nearby bank, but those require Spanish language skills. Carlos says she's been trying to keep busy. She's also applying for customer service jobs she can do virtually. I still have some life in me. I'm, I'm not a lost cause. I'm not helpless or hopeless. I hope for the opportunity to have steady income above minimum wage so I can save up and buy my own form of transportation and never have to be at a loss of employment again. Carlos lives in the 60636 zip code. That's an area with one of the state's highest rates of unemployment claims among working age residents last year. According to WBEZ's demographic analysis of Illinois unemployment claims data, in Chicago, the top five zip codes for those claims are in majority black communities. Just the unemployment claims are just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the economic impact of COVID-19 and how many people are really unemployed. 
That's Jake Robbins, an economist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. He points out that unemployment claim numbers don't show the full picture, but serve as markers of how black workers are faring during this time. The data we analyzed shows that in the early days of the pandemic, more people on the northwest and north sides of Chicago applied for unemployment benefits. But in the second part of the year, there was a shift to more black neighborhoods. The one thing that we actually know about access to the UI system is that it's not equal. Disadvantaged groups actually have a a harder time getting access to benefits. Robin says many black residents likely had trouble accessing the unemployment system or providing all the complicated documents. Some were initially ineligible to get benefits because they were previously doing gig or contract work. The state eventually made those workers eligible, but some have reported still not getting paid. And there are other barriers to the system. The technological access. So do you have computer access? Do you have a cell phone? Are you able to go to a library for an extended period of time and use these resources? Robbins calls the unemployment insurance system a safety net, but one with pretty big holes in it, especially for black residents. On the ground, the fallout of pandemic unemployment is quite clear for some community groups. Nathan Bedell runs the employment program at Breakthrough Urban Ministries in East Garfield Park. It's in the 60624 zip code, which has the second highest rate of unemployment insurance claims in Chicago. The biggest way that unemployment is showing itself is the violence that we have in our neighborhood. Bedell says at Breakthrough staff meetings, the violence prevention team workers say crime is up because of the lack of job opportunities in their community. They report back that people that they meet on the streets say there's not enough jobs or there's um, jobs out here and they actually don't qualify due to their educational status. The 60628 zip code on Chicago's far south side is another area hit hard by joblessness during the pandemic. It includes the Roseland neighborhood where Cleopatra Draper works as a community organizer. And she's seen another impact of unemployment. Roseland is the number one community for sex trafficking. I haven't seen more of that than any damn thing. She says she's seen more streetwalkers in broad daylight than ever before. I'm talking about one, two o'clock. You can see John's dropping them off. That's alarming. Draper is founder of a group called Roses in Roseland. She's been coordinating food donations and delivering them to several pantries in the area. On a sunny Friday morning, she's dropping off boxes of food to a pantry at a church along Michigan Avenue in Roseland. Let me go grab some more boxes. Inside the basement of the new Tabernacle Baptist Church, an 81-year-old volunteer named Barbara Young tells me people from the neighborhood have been lining up since the pandemic began. They tell us when they come in that they lost a job and they just looking for food to carry them over. And mostly there was men. They come in to get for their family. Middle-aged men. Men like Lewis Jones. As he rearranges the food from the pantry inside his folding cart, he tells me he was laid off from his factory job last March. Wheeler's Corporation. Oh, uh, making protective gear for radiation. And they shut down? Yep. And so you lost your job? Yep. He says he has not been able to file for unemployment. Well, they want you to go online. I don't have a computer. I don't have online. Library only gives you one hour. You need a little more time for filling out the application. You need a little more time to get the information. Jones doesn't have a phone or a car to help with his job search. You're talking old school way. 
Any place that has uh, says hiring, that's how I'm doing it. Despite a long, tough year looking for work, Jones hasn't given up yet. After all, he says he has a family at home that he needs to support. Esther Yunji Kang, WBEZ News. Context of white supremacy. Pamela Evans Harris, that is uh, her former stomping grounds. Chicago, the Windy City. Dr. Welsing uh, as well. That is, well, not the most uh, inspiring way to begin a broadcast, but context of white supremacy. Gus T. Renegade in for another program, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy racism. Today's date, Friday, April 2, 2021. So I have been told this is our weekly segment, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Uh, This broadcast, hopefully, uh, we can use logic to help non-white people solve problems without creating new problems in the workplace this program is not for spectators so if we have any listeners non-white people anywhere in the known universe uh, if you have figured out some things that work well help you uh, solve some problems whatever it is specifically that you are dealing with uh, if it's something to help to make sure that you get a raise uh, something to help to make sure if you need extra days off Uh, If you need to get your office moved, if you have people who are not taking the COVID-19 situation seriously, whatever it is, if you don't want to take the vaccine, you figured out this is what to say to make sure they don't pester you about that. If you want to take it, you figure that out too. Whatever it is, if you figured out some things that will be helpful, have been helpful for you, may be helpful for other non-white people in the workplace, please share. The number 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. As always, uh, if you are having some sort of issue, difficulty, always welcome. Dial in. We will try to do our best uh, to help you kind of process Use logic to figure out the best way to proceed. Number is still 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. All righty. Uh, let's see. Before we get to some of the emails and callers, the audio segment that we heard uh, at the beginning, we've had many cows listeners uh, who have commented, written in, called in, talked about their experience working at Amazon. And it sounded uh, painfully similar to a lot of what we heard uh, in that audio segment. Uh, That was on NPR's Fresh Air this week. Uh, The journalist Alec McGillis, I think that is a white man, didn't have a picture. Uh, But the really uh, repetitive work, dangerous work. I know we had uh, a number uh, of non-white employees who, excuse me, non-white Amazon warehouse workers who talked about the repetitive work, the dangerous work, having really 
uh, just ridiculously grueling quotas where you have to get so much done and it's all about productivity so you don't have time to scratch your nose or go to the bathroom or anything it's just work 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 uh, and they said uh, they talked about in that segment uh, the automation uh, that you know hey we the only reason you even still have this grueling job is because the robots apparently it's difficult for them to grab things uh, but the robots can go and I guess get these shelves and bring it to you which uh, we have had cows callers say report this just speeds things up even more because the robots I guess they can go really really fast to get these shelves and things so uh, and the, the bathroom situation I think they had a report uh, that I read online this week uh, it was a non-white Amazon employee former employee uh, who said that he uh, quit voluntarily left the job because it was so difficult uh, he didn't have time to go to the bathroom which I've seen I've been on jobs myself like that where uh, and that's unhealthy I mean that's you know right there that is how you get a urinary tract infection uh, where you have to go to the bathroom and as uh, Dr. Rasayan says you do not answer nature's call very unhealthy and I've in fact had former co-workers where they started having health issues and their doctor told them immediately oh your job won't let you go to the bathroom when you need to find another job because that is not healthy same reports from Amazon and then the same non-white male he was talking about them I guess now having cameras in the vehicles of the drivers to monitor you know I guess to make sure they're keeping an eye on whatever they're doing uh, one, I've said for a long time, uh, you should behave. It's 2021. We should behave as though uh, we are under surveillance at all times because you just don't know if it's uh, cameras, if it's other employees who are reporting on you, if it's Alexa, uh, if it's everybody has a phone. I mean, you just don't know. It's all kinds of things. So you just have to go ahead and assume uh, whatever I'm saying, whatever I'm doing. Uh, it is being watched. It is being recorded. So I'm going to behave in that manner uh, and functioning like that. I think that will keep a lot of folks out of trouble. Uh, at any rate, uh, I thought the, the Amazon sort uh, report, uh, the low wages. Uh, we've had people who were talking about even being in that situation where they weren't taking the pandemic seriously and had people really close together and all the rest of it. Uh, they even with this with the vote this week in terms of the unionization the tackiness and trifling conduct even around that like they have reports today where they talked about uh, how Amazon got uh, some of their Twitter accounts banned because they had these fake Twitter accounts posting propaganda against unionization and I guess people figured out that these were not real Twitter users offering their views uh, but that sort of nonsense and I think they even had other signs and, and just corporate propaganda trying to influence the workers to reject these union proposals that might get them better bathroom breaks uh, and the like um, yeah that happened uh, this week associated with Amazon I, I think they're still tabulating votes uh, they had a number of reports talking about why the vote count was taking so long uh, in Alabama where I suspect they would probably have a disproportionate number of black workers uh, at a place like Amazon uh, and they talked about the growth too I thought that was important as well uh, I think they said they hired approximately 400,000 workers over the past year because there's been so much growth everyone's at home and buying things online like wow wow and within that I thought it was I didn't get to see Mr. McGillis, the author, journalist that they were talking to, but I suspect he could be a white man. 
to have all of that about the work conditions and grueling work conditions as he testified to uh, and this extraordinary growth and all the trucks that you see on the road and delivery drivers which I can testify to here in Seattle mentioned in the report absolutely I see all of that and to not mention all of the uh, attacks that drivers have faced since the pandemic it's been so many reports uh, of drivers being accosted and threatened uh, whether it was around masks or just you know what are you doing here what do you you know you're not supposed to be in my driveway that sort of thing that should I know we've addressed that repeatedly uh, over the last year because it's happened so many times uh, in the news outlets uh, where it's been talked about but uh, that's one component with the Amazon workers. I'm sure we have some folks even listening live now who you know have some Amazon work experience. Uh, and then we uh, pivoted <clears throat> to the Chicago situation, uh, and they talked about uh, the impact on black people in the greater Chicago area. That report, I mean, wow, you want to talk about deflating. They get towards the end and they say, wow, the explosion in sex workers to see this happening in broad daylight at one, two o'clock in the afternoon because things have gotten so bad, so bleak. <clears throat> and before they got to that, or I guess maybe explaining how it got to that point, uh, they were saying uh, black people who are in these so-called gig economies, they don't make enough uh, to qualify <clears throat> for the unemployment benefits or they did qualify after they made changes to these programs and they still a year plus later have not gotten help have seen lots of reports uh, saying the same thing uh, the technology gap they tons of reports over the last year both with school and work uh, where black people weren't able to fill out the forms applications for unemployment or other uh, assistance uh, they didn't have uh, Wi-Fi to be able to access this material that has been uh, ubiquitous uh, for the last year. I even thought like the library, like the libraries here aren't even open. Like that's not even uh, an option to go to the library for an hour or 15 minutes. I mean, if you if you have a phone or your own computer, you could go and like sit in your car uh, or on a bench. I guess if you're someplace warm enough, you could just go and sit right out in front of the library and do that. But I mean, if you don't have a computer, the libraries here aren't even open. So that's not, and they haven't been open for a year. So I can't even imagine, like he said, he's doing it old school. That is like, like you're trying to be unemployed. If you're relying on going around and looking for sign, like a physical sign in a window in this environment that advertises that they have openings they're looking to hire someone like blackmail privilege and they even included that like that report was all kinds of deflating they got to the end because I've seen so many reports uh, talking about the pandemic how it's impacted females I suspect they generally mean non-white females they're doing the same thing just throwing the general females so that they can get a lot of sympathy for white women too when it's been mostly non-white females who've lost jobs and what we heard in that Chicago report but they also included we see a lot of black males coming to the food pantry trying to get assistance middle-aged black males where they've lost jobs they talk to some that's blackmail no computer no phone no internet all the rest of it like no car like wow 
Not that I'm surprised, but that's something that hasn't been discussed at all. It's just been the impact on women, white women. They generally mean the impact on women, the impact on women. They've had to leave the workforce to help their families and to do all the the child work at home. And I'm not even disputing that that's happening. Again, I think they do the typical use the pain and mistreatment of non-white females and apply that to white women as though they're suffering the same when they're not. But Again, totally leaving out the impact that this has had on male victims of racism, black males specifically in this report. Man, not that I'm surprised, but deflating news in Chicago. We'll get to some of the folks who uh, wrote in. Incidentally, before I get to some of the emails, untiljustice at gmail.com. With everything that happened this week, and I mean, there was lots uh, there was, I don't even know what the, the incident at the Capitol today, uh, where they reported that a suspect uh, allegedly killed a Capitol police officer, rammed a barricade, immediately thought of Miriam I. Carey. Uh, they said the suspect lunged at the officer from the vehicle with a knife, thought, wow, Miriam I. Carey did not get that chance even to exit her vehicle or lunge or anything else with her one year old in the backseat. But that happened today. Uh, They had a shooting in Orange County uh, just within the last 48 hours. Uh, They had the shooting in Colorado just within the last week and the shooting in Atlanta, Georgia within the last two weeks. So there have been so many incidents along with everything else. General white supremacy, racism, the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. It would be a really solid time. Stick to the code. You have nothing to say about any of these events. One, some of them have happened so recently, they don't even have all the details. They haven't released, you know, the victims or the shooters. So that would be one reason. But two, I have never seen or heard an incident where a black person got a raise, got extra vacation days or anything else constructive by volunteering their opinion or report on incidents like these. You know, I want to come in and give my thoughts on the Atlanta shooting and Robert Aaron Long. You know, I want to come in and give my thoughts, give a comparison contrast to the 2013 murder of Miriam I. Carey and what happened today. I've never heard where that benefits a black person, even if you work exclusively with other black people, non-white people, I wouldn't recommend it there either. If that's not what you're paid to do, to come volunteer your thoughts and analyses on current events, no need for you to volunteer for that uh, duty amongst your peers, even other non-white people. I've just seen where that can cause problems. Uh, People disagree uh, with what you have to say, even at minimum, even if everybody that you're, you know, talking to is in 1000% agreement with you, as was stated already, you never know when there's recording devices around and someone who hears this conversation doesn't agree. And you just have no idea. You ain't, and we even had this too. People talking and everybody agrees. Someone sees this and says, hey, they don't get paid to come in here and have their little fireside politics chats. I'm going to go snitch. And you end up getting in trouble that way. So any way you cut it, uh, I've never, ever uh, seen a benefit to coming in and chit-chatting about these type of events. I have seen where it can cause lots of problems, easily avoidable problems. All you do is talk about what you are paid to do, the job.
get to the emails until justice at gmail.com still a little behind I'm catching up for the spring uh, let's see uh, my plantation hired a black male victim in his late 50s about a year ago honestly I was excited to have someone to talk to due to my plantation's lack of melanin on his first day he admitted to being a Trump supporter and told me a story of how his ex-co-worker black male mocked him and stopped talking to him because of his support for Trump I'm just uh, stopping here I think it would be appropriate let me get my sound effect as we continue black brother like brother of hell he also mentioned how some of his family members did the same and he stopped getting invited to family functions I responded that his political views were none of my business ching hoping he'd get the hint since most of my co-workers are MAGA fans and in my view suspected white supremacists with a few open white supremacists mixed in he freely expresses his political views without recourse hmm not a cow's listener he constantly claims that Trump is the best president for blacks and black people are not oppressed in the company of suspected white supremacists who cheer him on, of course. The director of our department who has been accused by non-white Mexicans as being racist has openly endorsed my co-worker because he doesn't see color. His words. He recently confessed to leaving his black church for all the white for an all white church that our director and other white suspected white supremacists attend, including an open white supremacist with Confederate tattoos. He routinely bashes black people and always defends race soldiers in front of our white coworkers. Those same coworkers make fun of him when he's not around and try to bait me into doing the same, but I refuse. Chang. They also try to avoid working with him, and one coworker would call in when he is assigned ahead of time to work with him. So trifling. My plantation survival strategy before his arrival was to play naive when it comes to politics and work alone when possible. Naivete is no longer an option because I wasn't able to hold my tongue while he belittled victims. I suspect that he discusses my political views with others on the plantation because I have walked in on him telling our non-white Mexican supervisor about a disagreement he had with a black female victim about Breonna Taylor. What in the world? Working alone is still an option, but bigger jobs require us to work as a team and our foreman seems to always assign us together not sure how to handle the situation going forward I told him I didn't want to discuss politics at work but he constantly asks for my opinion it also seems like he wants to be friends which I have no interest in we work in a small office of four and his desk is next to mine so I am subjected to his sharing of his anti-black rhetoric and love of Jesus yikes he's seeking suggestions um, not talking about politics I feel like somebody just said that not paid to talk about Breonna Taylor or anything else uh, and I even 
think it was said uh, even with other black people victims of racism this is always always no exceptions always a bad idea for the workplace now moving forward and particularly since you've got the vibe like man this guy maybe he's trying to pick conflict or or get these discussions started where we will have some sort of disagreement and then he can go back and tell other people what I said and that sort of thing I'm going to speak always as though everything I say is going to be transcribed and maybe with a little bit of embellishment so I'm going to be very choosy about what I say probably not have a whole lot to say at this point like it's going to be all about word efficiency that doesn't mean that I'm mute and one word answers but we it's not going to be a whole lot of what they were talking about on the witness stand yesterday volunteering information it's not going to be any of that I just come in and we just have you know casual chit chat about anything the weather what's happening you know at at the playground new park being built nothing it's all going to be about workplace and efficient commentary on the job if I get the, the the thinking that man is he just going back and looking for chances to, to snitch on me and tell him what I said about this and what I said about that and never I would also say for like centuries going back to like you know uh, shackles and cotton picking plantation days right getting uh, a non-white person to go and get another non-white person riled up see if you can get them to say this or say that so that you can go back and report that is a a very old plantation technique uh, discipline is so important especially with other non-white people you don't need to to so-called defend uh, other victims of racism if they're on there and they're talking bad you know this person is a no-count so-and-so and blah 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 but if they're talking about somebody who works with you a co-worker then I think Mr. Edward Williams has the best when they finish and they're all wound up so and so is a no count this and a no count that and his pants are wrinkled and his fingernails are dirty and his hair is no good and and his shoes are leaning on the side and once they get done with everything you say wow sounds like he's in a rough spot what can we do to help Jim clear the place out God, Trump helps me. I'm going back to work. Going back to work. <laughs> and you love it if they want to go and report that one. That I tried to see if we could get him to bash and, and talk trash about old Jim. I hate old Jim. Trying to see if we can get him fired. I tried, and you know what he had the nerve to say. He had the nerve to say, "How can we help Jim?" The nerve and. You can be happy to testify in front of anybody at any time for the next thousand years. Yes, that's what I had to say. I asked the question, question lane, how can we help this person? And I didn't get a response. I noted that too, but (laughs) nobody had any thoughts on how we could help this person. Very simple in my opinion. This is so common in the workplace and particularly when you have someone who's kind of coming in and broadcasting, you know, all the black people hate me and blah, blah, blah. And that sort of thing where they're trying to be antagonistic. I would just be cordial, uh, cordial, speak to the person uh, when they come in. But that's it. I'm never going to feel compelled to like jump into a conversation and talk to this person about anything other than work related issues. Um, he said that this person seemed like they're trying to be friends. I don't know what that means. If they're like asking to go out to lunch and that sort of thing, 
no thanks got work to do I appreciate the offer keep it cordial like I said you speak to them when you're there if you all do get assigned to projects do the best that you can to work uh, in a courteous manner and get the project complete uh, and done well but <clears throat> no we're not talking about Breonna Taylor we're not talking about any of these shootings Derek Chauvin what are your thoughts on President Biden none of the above don't talk about politics keeping it moving and I would probably get if it if this continued where I've told this person like in January, December, March, I don't talk about politics on the job. I don't talk about politics on the job. And then we get to June and they're still doing it. You know, I don't talk about politics, man. Come on back to the work. <laughs> Just, hey, being being consistent with it, because that'll wear people down too. like they'll realize he might have had a slip, a slip that one time, but he's sticking to it. He's not going to you know fall for that anymore. He's just sticking to the business and being courteous about it. And they'll leave you alone. You just have to be disciplined about that. That time that you had the slip, he saw that, you know, if I can just keep it going, you can sometimes reel him into doing this sort of thing. And then I can go snitch to the white people. Just don't fall for it. Be consistent. I'm talking about work and nothing else. Incidentally, uh, I don't think, and I know this can be rough. I don't think uh, we should ever be excited about a black person being hired in a workplace, even if you're the only non-white person there. Uh, the just because this person has melanin does not, in any way, shape, form, mean that this is going to be your homie, friend associate even someone who's going to be kind to you you have no idea if this person is married to a white person is in love with president trump you just have no idea so that's all you can say this is it you don't even know if this person is qualified to have the job really tough way to look at things i know some i know i know some people feel totally different if it's a black person like right on black self-respect and all the rest of it that's not my view uh, my view you can be helpful you can be courteous all of that is spectacular but I would not be excited like yes we got a black sister in here balance things like and you have no idea who this person is just I recognize that it's a non-white person that's been hired and I learn more about this person person cautiously in a codified manner as we proceed in the workplace Anyway, uh, this person uh, was requesting assistance. So if we have any thoughts, uh, a, a black person on the job seems to be very white identified. Surprise. Very confused about racism. Surprise. Very anti-black. And then you all are working together. You had one moment where maybe you slipped, weren't as codified as you liked, and maybe had some kind of small squabble uh, about politics or something that's not related to the workplace and you get a, you get the thinking the feeling this person may be snitching trying to get you to say things so they can go and take information uh, back to white people any tips suggestions on how best to neutralize this type of situation make sure that you all aren't having any sort of conflict that you can continue to work uh, efficiently to the best that you can in this work environment the number 720-716-7300, the code 564-943-POUND, press star 61 if you would like to participate. 
uh, if we have any suggestions for this victim who wrote in and or if we have other people who have uh, their own situations, if we have some successes, things went well. We always want to hear that. Uh, if we have folks who are having similar or other issues in the work environment, feel free. Let us know that as well. Uh, let's see. Some of the folks who dialed in with a hand up should be with us. Hello. Oh, go ahead, Neil. Oh, just thank you so much. Just that way, I don't lose service. Um, to the in response to the email before. Oh, greetings, Gus. Namaskaram. Greetings, beautiful people on the call. This is Emmy. Um, I have been kind of coming up with a new code uh, for when I transition out of the current plantation into my next situation. And my new favorite, I have two kind of code phrases or words that I really, really love because they seem so impactful because they're not used all the time when we speak. Uh, the first one is like actually stating this is a boundary. Like this is my professional boundary. And then fill it in with whatever it is that you're going to say. So I'm practicing, you know, uh, that's a professional boundary. I don't talk about it because the word boundary is like really clear. Like you can't deny that, that it's professional and it's definitely setting your space that you can protect. The second one that um, I uh, like to use is hostile work environment. So something that I would, in practicing, or for me it would be school, but like I would say, this is a boundary of mine. If you continuously cross it, I hope you understand that you're creating a hostile work environment. Because I think the, this, it's like, it's just like, whoa, you know what I mean? This person, I feel like this person is not here to play. They're serious. And it's, it comes off very direct and um, let that person know, like, yeah, you know? And that way you've already indicated if they continue, that verbiage is something that you can use, not to say that you want to go run to white people or whoever the supervisor is and, like, snitch on them or whatever, but hostile work environment is a, is, I think, impactful phrase. Another thing that I do, and I, I do this one now, so the ones that I told you before I haven't really implemented, they're just me coming up with code so I can be strategic in the future for when I transition. Um, but the one thing that I do like is uh, I just stare. I've said this before. It makes me look really, really weird, but it, it I think it wears people down, too, like, I don't even, like, sometimes I don't even be like, hmm, that's interesting, you know, because then they keep going. I just stare and then the moment, and then walk away. So it creates, like, a very uncomfortable feeling for the person who just did all this talking and you didn't say anything. They feel super vulnerable and realize, like, yeah, maybe I don't like that feeling. I'm not going to keep talking to her. And I just do that, just stare. And it's super uncomfortable and weird, but it works for me. Anywho. Thank you all for listening, and I hope that that person that wrote, I hope you find some of my suggestions helpful. Thanks. Namaste. Awesome suggestions uh, from Emmy. Boundary. Love it. Love it. Professional boundary. And that's another one. I think anybody, you can stand on that one. Like, you want to go and transcribe that he reported that I was in here gossiping about Fred and, you know, what a no count employee is and, rah, 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 and all the rest of it. And I went to him to get his thoughts. And he had the audacity to say that 
I think this crosses a professional boundary. I don't think I'll have anything to say on that. Love it. Love it. Write it down. Video. Alexa. All of it. Spectacular. Uh, and the stare. I love that as well. That I just I just talked about efficiency. Where you can get things accomplished with as few words as possible. If you don't have to say anything. Sparkling. <laughs> and love it if it's uncomfortable. Now that's another one that you love. I sat there and spent 15 minutes. I told them everything. Fred's no count wardrobe. He can't spell correctly. He's cross-eyed. His fingernails are dirty. Read them the whole riot act. This went on for 10 minutes. And do you know she sat there and did not part her lips? Yep. Stand on that one too. Did not have a word. Not even the hmm. And let it feel all awkward and icky and mm, what is she thinking? Is she gonna tell on me? Is she gonna go tell Fred what I said? Like, let them think whatever they're gonna think, and you just get on back to work. And she said, I can see why that would be successful. Like, man, I didn't sat and talk for five minutes. I don't know if she's recording me. Is she going back to stitch on me or something? Like, love it, love it. And it comes out to the same result. I'm not gonna be pulled into. Uh, these sort of conversations, I'm going to do some thinking and not feel obligated to respond just because someone is talking to me about a specific subject, especially if it's something not constructive. Uh, let's see. Our mail caller who uh, yielded much obliged, uh, much obliged Emmy uh, caller two, two, six, two. Did you have commentary? May I be hurt? Yes, sir. Thank you, Gus, for taking my call. Um, hello, everybody. I'm calling from LA. Um, I had a question, Gus. Um, I, I heard you bring up the attack that happened today at the Capitol. Are we allowed to speak about that today, or let's say for tomorrow? Hmm. I don't think that's workplace racism, unless you know something that I don't, that why that would be something related to workplace racism because we will certainly talk about it tomorrow uh, I also I'm kind of it's so fresh I don't even know how much detail they've released do you have any information how is this related to workplace racism um, it probably wouldn't be related to workplace racism but I just google searched it and there was some information but I could wait till tomorrow okay though much obliged sir thanks for your patience what would, you had other commentary though Yes, um, I did not uh, catch the earlier uh, segment, uh, but to, I guess, uh, help the victim that is experiencing issues with his coworker, um, I kind of like play it kind of tongue in cheek. So I would kind of make a joke out of it. I will say probably, hey, how much do you think those people on Capitol are being paid to do their job? Because I'm not getting paid nowhere near that. I need to work harder to get, you know, to get to their level or something to that effect. I would just play it off like that. Um, yeah, but that's all I come to have now, but uh, I need my line. Much obliged, sir. I am very interested in the uh, Capitol shoot. I was trying to read about that before we went live and looking for reports 
to play for tomorrow. In fact, I shared several reports uh, where they were talking about the incident in D.C. Uh, D.C., the capital, man, the most unsafe place in the world uh, this year. Um, but much obliged will be there uh, tomorrow for all of that. Thank you for the suggestion for the caller uh, who wrote in. I think that could be another great way to deflect part of the can be part of the package for uh, compensatory conversation control uh, when they are talking about, I guess, if they're talking about President Trump or whomever uh, that, you know, hey, I'm trying to get on their level. All those folks work make way more than I do. And that's why I'm working hard right now. Got to get back to work. Great way. Get back on. And that's another one. Who can be upset about that? They can go back and tell whomever. No problem. Yep, that's exactly what I said. I'm trying to see if I can get a raise. Matter of fact, who can I talk to about getting that raise? Like, yes, that's what I was talking about. Working hard, seeing if I can advance in the world. Uh, Let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if either you have uh, suggestions of the person who uh, wrote in, or if you have your own situation uh, that you wanted to share, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Greetings to our Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, um, I like the suggestions that were already stated. Um, just the three that you guys, um, the three people that just spoke to you, um, the gentleman and the um, lady, those are good. Me personally, um, I'll either say no comment or I'll just, I'm using it to myself. Um, so when people have those kind of discussions, I, we would get a lot of that at Amazon. Um, basically, they would have those kind of discussions in any other setting that I would, and that was during breaks and things like that. In any other um, work setting, I didn't have time to, because I'm usually by myself, I didn't really have time to have those kind of um discussions, but I'll always say no comment or um, don't say anything. I'm usually engaged in something else, so I don't have to have those conversations, so I'm not in the middle of anything because sometimes it seems like these are traps, um, consciously or unconsciously, for the person that they're asking to speak to fall in. So, um just don't say anything. Um, and back to the clip, the one that stuck out to me with the, the clips that you played was the Amazon one, only because I, I remember working there. And um, it was tricky going to the bathroom um, because a lot of stuff is based on time and productivity and how many of these things did you get to do and this bathroom is so far Literally, it's very far from wherever you could be. You'd be lucky to get a station near the bathroom, and then that eats away at your time, and then you end up having to catch up to meet a quota, or you'll get written up, because I got got so many (laughs) write-ups. So uh, it's awful, and um, it isn't good to hold your hearing, but you, you better hold it until break, or you might have to catch up work very, very fast in order to try to maintain a particular quota. And um, 
how they um kind of monopolize the uh the industry right now and even before the pandemic they were setting it up probably for the pandemic because um they they the moves that they were making um before the pandemic especially with the delivery how they bought out the uh whole foods it's just like they were setting it up for times like this because now everyone that was the only thing that was basically open aside of the grocery stores. You can buy your groceries through Amazon. You can buy almost everything you need from the vendors, and they have this warehouse inside of Amazon, so everything is in there already. So sometimes if you can get it in two hours because they have a warehouse, right, uh, maybe a mile or two away from your home, it, it was very clever about Amazon. Um, my workplace racism... <laughs> oh, and then you mentioned something about working as if you were being surveillance because I remember working for Amazon and somebody used their home security camera on me to state that I stole their camera out of their uh, box, out of their package. Now, I may ever, I'm sure I reported it because I participate. And uh, I got my account suspended for delivering for Amazon, and then the supervisor that called me to speak on this theft as he reviewed the cameras, it was no way for me to uh, have stolen the, the, the camera. But uh, it, it, it is a trip because they'll they'll use they'll use anything they can against you to eliminate you, especially when you're not white. So um, workplace racism for me. I uh, the supervisor. I have the supervisor that I refused to do the extra uh, two days. Um, she did an overlap with me um, via uh, whatever the Zoom, the, the the computer, the, my tablet. Um, it's very complicated to do to record because with the tablet, I also have to record everything that I do, and it's insanely complicated. And now, well, at least since I've been working there, you're not allowed anymore to write things down. So I have to, and it's hard to remember it, and you're not even supposed to remember. The, the rules just change so often. So um, it's complicated to record and then allow the supervisor to see what you're, what's going on in the house. So I asked, there's a tablet already there for overlaps, but she didn't know the password. So it's like, what, why is it here if you don't know the password? So I've got this tablet, and I'm trying to hold it. But you can tell because I didn't agree to do these extra hours, there's tension between her and I. And um, I was asking her about some a girl that I ran. Um, uh, I think there was a girl to drink out of a cup with the lid off. But she doesn't drink out of the cup. With it. All her cups have lids, either straws or sippy. So... I don't know how I'm going to do that, how to run it. So um, when I ran it, I didn't understand it, so I I did it incorrectly. And then I re-ran it. She, she has the power to erase the um, what I record. I don't have that power and um, or that amenity. She... Um, I asked her about that. I said, I think I ran it wrong. I said, so you want the... Uh, the, the the goal, how do you want to go? You want me to take the lid off of her sippy cup and give it to her? 
And she said, yeah. I said, well, I did it wrong. I recorded it incorrectly. And she's like, yeah, I see it now. Okay, so can you can you change it? So, um, and then I ran it correctly the day before, but it's always going to be her not being able to do it because she, that's not that's not what goes on in, in the house. Not only is that not what goes on in the house, I think that can wait. Of, of all the things that I'm running, that can wait because she's not even vocal and it's not even a real big deal, her drinking with the lid off of the cup to drink. That's not a big deal. It's not as if she's on the bottle like one of my other clients. So um, I didn't fuss about it. I just said, well, um, when I was running the goal, she was definitely not interested in the cup with her lid removed. And she's like, well, maybe I'll just uh, change it around a little bit and that's fine. So um, she wanted to talk to the mom. And then on top of that, she added more and more goals. And the child is so overwhelmed with all these sessions that she has because, like I said, she has speech therapy, uh, some other kind of therapy. There's a therapist that goes to her school and that's worked at my job. And then there's me that comes and intrudes on her life after she gets off work. And a lot of times she's screaming bloody murder. And um, I can't do a lot with that. Um, I don't mean bloody murder. But she's screaming. She's she's really stressed out. And since she can't talk, she's very overwhelmed, I, I believe. And um, so a lot of times with that, I'm not running goals. I'm just pairing with her, even though that's not what she told me to do. That's what I do, either that or go home, because she's not going to do any of these goals and I only work six hours with her, but it looks like I have 15 or 20 goals, and that's entirely too many goals for a four-year-old that doesn't communicate to me. So um, when our session was over, she uh, on the mom's phone, she did a Zoom or whatever on the mom's phone, and they talked about whatever they talked about, and um, I sat with the child. Um, in my notes the next day, Mind you, we are we already talked, but in my notes the next day as a hard copy, she wrote, Oh, I see that you ran this goal and it it's wrong. I need you to fix it. I need you to uh fix it. So I wrote I'm looking at the time, it was fifteen hours ago. Twenty four hours ago I was just on a Zoom with you. So you waited until four hours later to type something that we already talked about. No problem. So I typed in, I told you that it was incorrect. So if you could erase it, that would be great. Other than that, I, I'm not able, I can't, I don't have, I can't erase it. So I typed that in just as another hard copy. And so I find out today in my overlap with the other little, the bottle drinking four-year-old that um, my supervisor the supervisor over the su- the other supervisor, the uh, Spanish-speaking white lady who will be back next week or the week after. That she's a supervisor. She's a, everybody's supervisor. That's in my um, circle. So I'll see how that goes because I'm sure she's a little uh, tough with me too because this lady that's coming back on the 12th, she's getting a lot of complaints about how she supervised or didn't supervise. So um, we'll see how that goes. She was offered two months to kind of get it together as far as um, 
you know, maybe a little bit discriminated or whatever. That's why it wasn't working out. But um, the black supervisor that was stepping in for her just asked me, would I just wait and just give her a moment to see what she's going to do? But there's a moment that I feel like I'm not being supervisor. I don't have enough. This, that, or the other, uh, this, that, or the other, enough um, supervision or information to um, run over, do my job, to email her and still support me because she's been doing the case. And she's also going to um, with the, the bubble drinking four year old uh, as well. So um, she's the most helpful that I've been that I've done. Since I've been working since from the pandemic, she's the most help that I've gotten, and she's the most supportive just so far. And um, uh oh, uh, our call, Bay Area mom, Bay Area mom. I think we might have lost her. Sound like. <laughs> She might have had some problems uh, with her line. Hopefully she'll dial back and we can get the rest of her uh, commentary. Um, I think I've said for a long time that that the job that she's working, not only did they seem uh, that they are not very supportive of her, which she shared again today, but they don't even seem very supportive of the children. I think somebody's known for saying that white people system of white supremacy, they do not care about children. I think that is weekly like on display with some of the commentary that she has uh, shared with us. I don't have children. You know, I've said that for a while, but I mean, if I had a child four years old or somewhere in that range and they were not verbal, that would be priority one, not let's see if we can get them to drink out of a cup without a lid. Sometimes I still drink out of cups with lids on them. Talking, I think, would be prioritized, but what do I know? Uh, let's see. I think we have our Bay Area mom back with us. Uh, connection dropped out. Uh, are you back with us, Bay Area mom? I am. Thank you. I don't know what happened. Um, no, you're absolutely correct. I did I did come in on the um, some of what you were saying. It, it, it's as if they're just putting in stuff to build the insurance just a host of different things to build the insurance versus to help the development of the children. And I feel the same way. White people do not care about children. And I, I'll mute my mind. Flagrantly obvious uh, throughout uh, the system of racism, white supremacy. But, um, yeah, like, again, I would be trying to polish up my resume so that I can get out of there especially if you're doing they call it being a good communicator you let her know like oops I did this incorrectly my fault um, you know let's I don't have the amenities to, to make the changes if you can make that change we can do it again the correct way okay you do all that and then come in and you get fussed at oh my gosh you didn't like we already talked about this like what the when I think lots of non-white people have reported this over the years in terms of um being either fussed at for things that they didn't do, mistakes that either they didn't make or mistakes that somebody else made that get attributed to them and or these this conversation has already been had like this non-white person is not 
confused about anything. This is not new information. All of this has already been uh, gone over and it's almost as though it's some sort of performance or they just want to take an opportunity to fuss at a black person because they can. And this is like, again, all the way back to shackle plantation. This is in the half has never been told black people being fussed at. We just changed the rules in a very arbitrary manner just because we like to fuss at black people practice racism. Doesn't matter if you really did something wrong. You could have been fantastic. Best cotton picker ever. We just like practicing racism. So yeah, I would be very much about let me get out of here. And I said we had a lot of folks who've worked at Amazon who had similar experiences. That's why in my view, I'm just going to behave as though I'm on camera all the time anyway and hope that it benefits me from time to time. Like when there's some sort of false charge that I stole a camera or hit a black per or hit somebody with a brick. Thank goodness we got the camera. See there? No thievery. Nothing. I put it down, did all that. There you go. False charge again. Much obliged, uh, Bay Area Mom. Uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have a hand up, comment here to share. If you have suggestions for our uh, caller who wrote in uh, about the uh, difficult non-white coworker, uh, and or if you have your own situation, proceed. May I be heard? Greetings, Red in Ohio. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Hello, everyone. Um, I didn't hear the first part about uh, the person who needed suggestions, so I apologize about that. I'll just quickly share my observations. Um, today, actually, I was speaking. I'm just going to call the white woman Susan. I usually refer to her as the white woman who trained me. Well, this is the same white woman. I'm, I feel like she would qualify as, quote, unquote, fake woke, um, and that's that's basically the only person who can either talk to me or I can talk to and she'll have me in a conversation for 15 minutes plus and I won't get reprimanded about it. So um, I had spoke to her today about the change in like the dress code policy and the conversation went from that to um, actually the George Floyd <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, the the Chauvin, uh, not not George Floyd trial, but the, uh, I forgot his first name, but the, the officer Chauvin who had murdered George Floyd, she had her phone um, out, which we're not supposed to have our phones out, and I had saw the phone screen was moving, and she had, and I asked her, like, What's, what are you watching or whatever, and she had said that she was um, half watching the trial, on C-SPAN, and she said she had to stop watching it sometimes because it would make her cry. But uh, there was a delectable Negro moment um, uh, when we were having that discussion because instead of saying George Floyd, she kept calling him George Foreman. Um, the first time I didn't say anything, and then the second time I at least let that be my cue to be able to remove myself from the conversation but she kept saying George uh, George um, Foreman. I'm like, no, the trial is um, Chauvin, and it was George Floyd. Uh, so I thought that that was interesting, and it's like if you were that upset about it and causing you to come to tears, but you couldn't even remember the victim's name. So just an observation about how some more subtle racists 
are. And I had made an offhanded comment saying, well, it seems like this trial is more um, publicized than the OJ trial. <laughs> and that was also funny, too, because she was like, yeah, no, it's not. I remember the trial, and that's when my child was young, and I remember that he was guilty. And I asked, well, why is he guilty? And she was like, well, I don't remember. It was so long ago, but I but I remember also hearing that Marsha Clark had said that she had had an affair with, and I forgot his name, the uh, her co-prosecutor. And I'm like, well, where did you hear the information? She's also one of the white women who don't answer questions, which is something that I'm assuming the right, which is something I'm assuming the more um, subtle races do at least that I'm um, noticing it from her. And then I also heard some other white women talking about the trial. Um, so it's just interesting. And I've at least, uh, it at least allowed me to, to just be kind of mindful of how the, these white women's thoughts. And I guess they noticed there was a conversation between two white women and they noticed that I, I'm assuming they noticed that they were kind of loud and then they started whispering, so I couldn't hear as as good as I, as the beginning of the conversation. But it was basically seeming like he shouldn't have um, the officer shouldn't be convicted because um, Mr. Floyd was trying to use a counterfeit bill. And the white woman talked about how she who had that same situation where she had to decline um, or she couldn't accept a counterfeit bill from like a customer that she had. And um, I'll meet my line. Thank you for allowing me to share. Context of white supremacy. Orenthal James. Man, oh man. Orenthal James. Much obliged. Read in Ohio. Uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, man. <laughs> Orenthal James. Like, uh, it almost seems like. I'd say if it's a white person, if they're over the age of 30, like, ooh, we, all you need is to give them a window. And, oh, I was just waiting to talk about a rental James. You know, he did it. <laughs> like, man. Uh, and that, even that, I mean, you want to talk about fake woke. I, I said that throughout the trial, you have all these white people who pretend that they're upset about uh, Nicole Brown Simpson and all this. And invariably, it gets really tacky and tawdry within like seconds. It's not what an outrage Two people got killed who solved this crime. No one was held accountable and blah, blah, blah. It's, you know, Marsha Clark was in some tackiness with uh, Christopher Darden. Yes. You know, she was feverish. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought you, and, and she didn't even have any evidence. How do you know? Question like, how do you know he's guilty? Oh, I forgot, you know, it's been so, but I know he did. And did you know? And she knows all the gossip. You don't remember any of the evidence details about it. You just know the gossip. <laughs> Woo. Or rental James. Anywho, uh, delectable Negro. Indeed. Uh, now you got the arbitrary flaunting of rules. We've had, uh, folks who have gotten fired for having their cell phone out at work, you know, that's going to be a reprimand, uh, a write-up, disciplinary action of some sort. Eh, pull my phone. And I'm not even pulling my phone out just to check the weather really quick or I got to check on my children, make sure they're straight. I'm watching the trial, man. I'm watching Derek Chauvin see what they're talking about in Minnesota. 
okay, let's, you know, she's, she's into it or whatever. I just, it, it just tears me up. You know, they just, they just killed George Foreman. Like what? George Foreman died. Like when did George Foreman die? Like what? Heavyweight Boris Marvin Hagler. And now we, uh, we should have Dr. Gerald Horn on the program this Monday. We'll be talking about uh, George Foreman, among other black boxing greats, victims of racism. George Foreman among one of them. But George Foreman, and then she keeps doing it. She's not a one-time thing. Yes, you know, it's a it's a shame. Had his knee on George Foreman's neck. Really? When did they kill George Foreman? <laughs> like, I got to go check the... Oh, you talk. They grilled that nigra, George Floyd. Yes, they did. Grilled him up good. Yes. Delectable. I do not know. I, we have been talking about George Floyd for a good year now. I have not had one, uh, what they call it, Freudian slip, where I have called him George Foreman. Not once. I have mistakenly did the same thing that Red in Ohio did, said uh, George Floyd is on trial. And it's, oh, wait a minute. No, no, no. He's not on trial. He's already been killed. Uh, Derek Chauvin is on trial. I have done that. I mean, black males are known for being criminals. So, you know, that have to get better about that. I think I did the same thing with Trayvon Martin, too. I said Trayvon Martin is on trial. And Trayvon is like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Trayvon Martin was killed. Black males are known for being criminals and dying. But yeah, I would not have anything questioning and or listening and taking notes. Like, because we got workplace violations, they're flaunting policy and procedure, delectable Negro, can't even get this black male's name correct, drifted off into O.J. Simpson and tragic arrangements. Like, wow, <laughs> we have got the full game. All of that right there would be why I would say you don't want to talk about non-work related things in the workplace who wants to have a work day interrupted by a white woman crying about the tragic death of George Foreman who wants to have their work day interrupted where now we got to go you know a rental James killed those white people in that driveway And I don't remember the, any of the details as to why I'm so confident that this happened, but you know he did it. I would much rather, let's just, whatever widgets or whatever we do in our workplace, let's just get back to that. <laughs> like all these extracurricular conversations are nice and they are, as she said, they are great reminders. Like I should not even be in this conversation. Why am I here listening to you talk about George Floyd? Let me go back to work. Thank you. That's it like nothing else this is not time who do you think you are talking about and you are going to get his name and 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 what do you mean oj simpson did have you read jeff tubin's and mm-hmm mm-hmm mm. well good talking to you margaret i'm going to get back to work put all that in my workplace journal like wow i hope george foreman is safe and sound context of white supremacy does not get any better than tacky apparently even from the woke white people uh, let's see the number is 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate I forgot about the email. See, I think that's what happens 
weekly I will get uh, just excited or whatever uh, with the program and then forget like oh yes the emails the emails the emails that's how I keep getting behind all right emails okay uh, I'm listening to neutralizing workplace racism for March 21 so that's two weeks ago the spouse of one of the callers talked about her dance request for the Middle Eastern I think client who wanted to oh did we read this one yes we read this one last week okay uh, da, 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 da. Uh, I heard that my email update I heard that my email was read on the most recent neutralizing workplace racism program and I appreciate the feedback I also wanted to note that over the last couple of years I have read several articles where a high percentage of Mexicans and Asians will identify as white when asked I've seen those reports too if I recall correctly data showed that Asians are the highest earning of any race and ethnic group in the US I've seen that data too but I think as this week year the Kung flu uh, they're still victims of white supremacy I guess my rhetorical statement is can those who are non-white but identify as white be considered white supremacists if they incorporate white supremacist tendencies when they interact with other non-white people namely black Americans question uh, my answer I would drift back to the first caller who wrote in today if people uh, were able to hear that portion I know some people missed it just to quickly summarize he said he had a he was excited because he, it was a melanated person joining the workforce uh, I'm paraphrasing but his wording uh, and he was excited and then it turns out that this fellow was like a MAGA supporter loved Donald Trump said Donald Trump is the best president that black people have ever had and all the rest of it now some people might say that hey that there is a white identified person uh, and he is uh, incorporating white supremacist tendencies and beliefs it might be said that all non-white people to some degree are required to incorporate some white supremacist tendencies and beliefs in fact I might challenge anybody if you can present me someone who does not have any white supremacist tendencies or beliefs anyway uh, but my view is that no you have to be classified and accepted as white uh, everybody uh, is encouraged to have negative views of black people to mistreat black people non-white people on the whole everyone is encouraged to do that uh, in my view just saying that on that basis you now are a white supremacist that's not logical you have to be classified as white uh, and I think as we talked about a lot ending mistreatment talked about that a lot this week ending mistreatment that doesn't make it any better if I'm being mistreated by someone who is not classified as white the system of white supremacy encourages and requires tons of that we're just in the business of ending mistreatment even by other non-white people victims of racism I could be in error 
Uh, let's see. I see this often. Uh, I see this often from Asian Americans and Mexicans have traveled to various parts of Mexico six times and have witnessed it firsthand. Anyway, with all the drama in the news about Asian abuse, I feel it is overstated since I have seen several charts that indicate the low percentage of Asians that are actually subject to violence is relatively low, unlike the high percentage of Black Americans. This is not to imply that any acts of violence to any group is okay, but I find the sudden push to stop Asian violence. While we are waiting on the George Floyd verdict is insulting to me as a black American. I feel we have lost count of the number of black victims that have lost their lives due to race soldiers in just the last two years alone. Can't say the same for Asian Americans. End of her commentary. Uh, Well, certainly system of white supremacy. Black get back. I think we've been very clear about that. I've been very clear about that uh, for years, even though this does seem to teeter away from workplace racism a little bit. Um, But the main thing uh, is, I said myself, I have witnessed so-called anti-Asian violence, just did a whole program uh, about that. The system of white supremacy encourages mistreatment of everybody classified as not white, particularly black people. Uh, Again, uh, I don't disagree. Where I agree, I'll say it that way. I agree. Black people are killed in huge numbers worldwide, not just the black people who were born in America, because it seems like that's the focus of this report. Black people are killed all over the world, all over the known universe, all the time. Non white people are killed all over the world, all the time. Most of those cases do not get. George Floyd attention they just did a whole documentary talking about OJ Simpson they just did a whole documentary the people versus Agent Orange talking about for 50 years people in Vietnam have been suffering and dying and having all kinds of uh, inhumane birth defects and everything else and really low quality of life that there is white supremacy racism now we can look and say well they don't like black people or they don't like black people who were born in the US or whatever else again A lot of this just comes down to what is your understanding of white supremacy racism, I think. Certainly we can all have our our different views, but I mean, hey, that that black fella that was mentioned in the letter person wrote in, he didn't sound like he would be someone who would be out protesting on behalf of George Floyd. I'll be down at the courthouse every day and calling Derek Chauvin names and what have you. I don't think that's the case. And he might be a black person that is born in the U.S. with four black grandparents with U.S. passports. Just because you have a lot of melanin does not make you a teammate or whatever it is. This is not about liking one another or anything. This is just about replacing white supremacy with justice. Anywho, VGQ. Don't know what that had to do with workplace racism. Moving forward. Black brother. Black brother of hell. Uh, Let's see. See if this, I'll read one more just to make sure. Yes, this is back on focus. Different person wrote in. <clears throat> Last week, there was a question about how racist suspects select non-white people for promotion and or use to cause harm to other non-white people. I agree there is an assessment of the level of confusion in the non-white person or a willingness to comply with or keep secret acts of racism perpetrated against non-white people. The degree to which the non-white person is aware of or understands the racism happening to other non-white people is likely to vary and therefore should be assessed 
on an individual basis. I know I was more confused about racism in the past and whilst I would not knowingly harm a non-white person on the basis of racism, I know racists have tried to use me in this way. They do it all the time. Be very clear. Racist suspects observe their negras. Indeed, I was once in a meeting where racist suspects were discussing an alleged strategy to encourage more non-white people to apply for jobs at the organization. One suggestion put forward was to produce a campaign where non-white employees spoke about their experiences working at the company. A racist suspect male queried whether there were any non-white people who would be willing to get involved. A racist female in HR then stated that she had a list of non-white people who could be approached to be part of the campaign. I was and still remain fascinated by what she had said. I sat wondering why she collated said list what criteria she used to compile the list who is on it how and when the list was used and how often I have a similar list of questions about the non-white people who do not make the list I was more confused at the time and made the mistake of mentioning it to some oh <laughs> I made I was more confused at the time and made the mistake of mentioning it to some non-white people who also work at the company. I know they reported me because the racist suspect female stated in a subsequent meeting that the content of any discussions should be kept confidential. I suspect those non-white employees are on the well-behaved slave list and I am not. <sighs> White people are not, cannot be ignorant about their negras. It's just not possible. They are very observant. We talked about, I guess, surveillance might be our theme for the program today. Like... Now, it's been my experience victims of racism a lot of times we can get very uh, bogged down and focused on other victims of racism sometimes it'll be focused on other black people sometimes it'll be focused on other non-white people that don't like us other black people that don't like us the problem remains racist man racist woman racist child that's where the focus should be because woo, they put a lot of time and energy focus investing on studying us how can we continue to dominate them for another 5,000 years how can we get stronger study them a little bit more learn a little bit more about them might even that even might be the type of thing let's just see you know We'll, we'll put the information out and see where they go report it because they do experiments sometimes but again back to that idea I'm glad it's been enforced so many times today just because this person is classified as non-white just because she didn't say if these folks are black or not but even if they were classified as black tons of melanin maybe you went to kindergarten together or what have you that does not mean I'm going to talk to this person about the trial in Minnesota 
that doesn't mean that we're going to talk about, you know, any other, the latest books that we've read. What did you think about Isabel Wilkerson's case? Not even talking about the Rona. None of that. Workplace environment. We're talking about workplace things. If it's a non-white person, anything I tell them, I'm already, I am totally acceptable with anything I say being written down, repeated, recorded. That's the way that I speak to everyone in the work environment. White, non-white, doesn't matter. That's the environment that we're in. I think that is uh, the best way. But I mean, yeah, that is, I suspect there are many lists in the work environment lists of black people like you know the the grumpy negros negros that we want to fire negros that we might promote for various projects negros that we trust for various things negros that we don't trust like i'm sure there are lots of those types of lists in the workplace might be some unjust nut uh, networking with all those lists too but anywho uh, let's see. Other folks who dialed in, if you have uh, commentary to share, suggestions, or your own situation, proceed. Hello, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, good evening to, and thank you to the host, and uh, good evening to the uh, fellow callers. Uh, I'm a rideshare driver in um, New York City, and I wanted to report one incident of uh, racism that I experienced and how I dealt with it. I have developed a code for when um, riders ask me if I have gotten the COVID vaccine, and that is to ask a question. The question is, do you think it is safe? And uh, I thought that that was a sufficient code for dealing with that. But the experience I uh, had this week was a, um, a racist um, woman who I drive for her company uh, on an on-demand basis. She got into my vehicle uh, and asked me if I got the COVID shot. I asked her the question in return. And she surprised me with her response, um, was persisting to ask me, so did you get the COVID shot? Um, I was caught a bit off surprise, caught a bit off guard and surprised by that response because usually people will answer my question whether they think it's safe or not, uh, and then we'll try to go on to another subject. And... Uh, I was caught a bit off surprise by that, but I realized that this is a, a racist, and I was attempting to be very cautious with how I interacted with this racist. Uh, I made sure I didn't reveal uh, very much information about what my personal health uh, was, but I believe I made a bit of a mistake in revealing to her that I had not gotten the shot, or I asked her where could I get the shot. And uh, that was a, a, an uncomfortable uh, interaction that I had, and I was not incredibly pleased by that. And I would appreciate any feedback on how to better handle that situation when people ask for that, because I believe that it is uh, protected health information. And uh, one of the things I know about this 
uh, racist woman is that she is a very powerful uh, white woman in her company, and uh, she began to ask me further questions about why I haven't uh, driven for that company in um, uh, quite a bit of time, and I answered her, well, I just have been driving on another platform and uh, tried to make a, a def deflective comment about the traffic in that area being bad, uh, but I was uh, definitely caught off guard by how invasive she was when uh, answering that question and how she really wanted a response, uh, but uh, that's all I wanted to report for now. Thank you. I'll mute my line. Much obliged, calling in from New York. Um, I, I say that regularly. I think that's that right there is a great aspect of codification because you you are the person that's the expert. You know uh, how you want to respond. You know the result that you're looking for. You know when you're not pleased with either what you said, how you've conducted yourself, and what can be improved. So I feel like you, you're always in position to, we're always in position to make great improvements with our codification, just reflecting when we have a situation that man, I could have improved. I could have, could have said something better. Or I could have done something differently uh, with the medical question. I think that could be a great one. Uh, Emmy, she had the suggestion earlier uh, about, you know, that is uh, a professional boundary uh, in terms of, I don't share uh, medical information uh, with coworkers, employees, you know, however you uh, want to phrase it, but I think that could be a great time to employ that uh, and just, you know, say that I, I just don't uh, discuss my medical information uh, on the, in the workplace and just leave it at that. Um, I think that's pretty standard for a lot of workplaces. I don't think that that's another one, you know, that can be the standard. Like if this is going to be repeated to the whole world, everyone who's ever going to work at this company. And I said, you know, I don't discuss my medical uh, history with coworkers. I think that's, you know, no surprise. Okay, right on. Nigra's a little secretive. Put him on. The, put him on the secretive Nigra list, maybe. But okay, no big deal. Um, I'm sure there are other uh, responses that folks can go there, but I think that's a pretty, pretty easy one uh, that I would just stick to because um, and and that might be more common to be in workplaces, especially I think Google, Facebook, some other uh, major employers. Uh, announced that they're looking to have some sort of return to the workplace uh, by the end of the year type of a thing. So that might be more common as more people start to return to a so-called normal work environment, having those type of intrusive questions. Have you had a test? Uh, have you had the vaccine? Those type of things. And just already, this is what I'm willing to share. And this is going to be my response to anyone who attempts to get information beyond that boundary, what I'm willing to share in the workplace or any other environment. Uh, and this this might be one where it's good to practice. I've given this a suggestion before. Sometimes it's good. It's helpful to practice what you're going to say in advance, like give it a few tries at home. You can try it in front of a mirror to kind of get your sentence together exactly the way that you want to say it. Voice it'll be comfortable and roll off your tongue, as they say. Or if you have uh, family members, if you live with other people, uh, you're married, tempted arrangement, whatever it is, um, you can practice with them, do a little role play out of the bedroom. And uh, yeah, just get your voice right, how you want it to sound, 
what you're going to say and even have them pry a little bit like, oh, really? You don't you don't talk about your your vaccination status. You're not proud of your vaccination status. I just don't discuss my medical records while on the job. Thank you kindly. Uh, let's see. Any of the folks listening in have a, a suggestion how you would deal with that type of scenario? We have a coworker, white coworker who is prying. Uh, have you been vaccinated or any other tests uh, about COVID-19, how you would respond? I do, guys, really quick, if I can add. Emmy, yes, ma'am, DMV area. Um, yes, I uh, agree with uh, saying I don't discuss my, you know, health information on the job. But then I think you can also follow it up, follow it up because I think ride share, you know, it's kind of like Uber, right? Like you're in a car or whatnot. And here's something I'll do. Uh, I work in healthcare, and so you know people are like that. Um, so I've also been thinking the one interesting thing about getting the vaccine is you're still supposed to practice all of the very same precautions. So that would be something that I would add, just to kind of like, yeah, I don't really talk about my private health information whether I've gotten the test or not, but I can guarantee you that I'm still practicing all safety precautions. And that way it's kind of like, what else can you, can you say? You know what I mean? doesn't matter whether or not I got this vaccine. I'm still wearing my mask. I'm still washing my hands frequently. I'm still social distancing. Like I'm still doing everything that I'm supposed to do in order to keep you safe. So really it's none of your business, <laughs> but that's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Love it. <clears throat> oh, yes, sir. Uh, yes. Uh, to answer your question, um, uh, again, I normally use, uh, we'll use another question at them. Um, uh, did you get the uh, vaccine shot? Okay, well then, you should feel secure getting in my, I guess, vehicle and, you know, riding. Because you got it. You're secure. You got to worry about it, catching it. So, so that's what I would add. Thank you. like that one as well. Um, any, any other suggestions how you would handle that? Or if we've had anybody who's been asked that has, you know, had to deal with that similar scenario where you had someone who was, you know, hey, have you been vaccinated on the job, workplace type scenario? I've been asked that. I was asked that this week by um, a um, a grandparent. She asked me, um, oh, well, she made a statement about getting the shots and how we were, because um, like, you guys got to get the shot too. You know, you guys, you guys got to get the shot too, right? I said, um, I'm sure at some point it, 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 it'll be required. And um, then she just started talking about, um, the Johnson and Johnson one, how she didn't have any side effects, and um, and thereafter. But I kind of don't do too much discussion, especially for the ones that have been vaccinated already, so they don't feel any particular way. And then I'm not caught in the middle of uh, any uh, debate. So that's all. Love it, love it. <clears throat> Definitely one I would not want to be in any sort of uh, debate or long drawn out 
you know, dialogue uh, around. Uh, let's see. Any anyone else? Well, should definitely, <clears throat> if you have not been in that sort of scenario, you should definitely codify, in my opinion, uh, because it may come up. And like I said, especially as uh, as they say, we should be coming back to some sort of normalcy, uh, allegedly, uh, sometime towards the end of the year, maybe sooner, um, that those type of questions may become more common. So be thinking about how you would want to respond, uh, what you think would be the the best answer uh, for how much information you want to divulge. Uh, the the caller who, who shared this uh, situation, now that you've had some time to process, so if you had it to do again, what would you say? Well, I definitely like the suggestion of, uh, and I have actually at first began to adopt the uh, response that I don't discuss my personal uh, health information, and I just didn't know if that was adequate or not. Uh, but I definitely appreciate the suggestion of uh, saying that and adding that I'm wearing a mask and cleaning my vehicle. I have a, uh, a shield in the back of my vehicle to keep the rider safe. Uh, if that's your, if that answers that person's concern. And I think that I, I would work on uh, how I would deliver that uh, in response, in response to uh, that question so that it doesn't come off as, you know, snooty or uh, aloof or, you know, being a smart aleck uh, or something like that. But I definitely appreciate the suggestion. Uh, I don't think that it would cause any further um, uh, impact on negative impact on me if I let the person know that I don't discuss my personal uh, health information, along with adding that I'm keeping everyone safe by wearing my face cover and uh, washing my hands and keeping hand sanitizer. So I appreciate uh, that those suggestions. Thank you. Much obliged. Uh, context of white supremacy. Hopefully, uh, like I said, uh, many of us might need to, you know, work on that code uh, for the coming weeks, months, whatever it's going to be, uh, until there's some sort of uh, resolution with all this. But that question might become much more common. Uh, let's see. Anywho. Uh, trying to make sure I didn't miss any emails uh, other folks with commentary that they want to make sure they share workplace racism related suggestions or issues that have come up can I make a suggestion please yes ma'am This is something that an exercise that I did today, a journaling exercise that I think would have been very helpful going, hold on, I have a mask on. <laughs> Let me take this off. Oof, okay, I was being lazy. Um, so to write out my strengths, I know it seems super basic and easy, but I think when it comes to what we really offer in all areas of our lives, um, but for the, for the sake of workplace racism at our jobs, I think it's important to really identify your strengths. Maybe I think sometimes we focus a lot on our weaknesses or 
where we can grow and whatnot, and that's super important. But I think we all have strengths that maybe we don't realize our strengths until we sit down and really write it out and think about it. Um, and they can be soft skills, and they can be hard skills, and they can be things that we've, like, honed in on and just things about ourselves. And I think if you have it all together, if you're in a place where, say, you don't want to stay at that job, then you realize that you do have a lot more to offer than maybe you've been thinking about in case you're stuck in a rut. Um, but if you want to go for that promotion, I think you, it helps you highlight, hey, like, I bring all of this to this organization. Um, it makes it easier for you to, like, go for that. Or even if it's about setting boundaries, you know what I mean? Like, if you realize what you really offer, uh, then you can say, no, I can be confident in myself and set this boundary and do this thing and whatever it is. If it's whatever it is, I think when it comes to uh, workplace or school or anything, I think taking time to recognize, write down, and honor your strengths can help us go uh, go a long way. It helped me today, so hopefully it helps y'all if you do it. Thanks. That was it. Love it. That's imp- so much of the system of white supremacy is about. Uh, breaking down uh, the confidence of black people, non-white people, uh, trying to convict gaslighting. We talked about that so much gaslighting us that you don't know what you're talking about and you're making stuff up and you're ignorant. And uh, we had Bay Area mom get fussed at for things where you've already acknowledged like, oh, wait a minute, I made an error here. I want to make sure we get this corrected. And then you come and get chastised anyway, uh, just because people like fussing at black people in a system of racism. So uh, that can be really important. Just reaffirming that, you know, yes, everybody, none of us are perfect. Everybody has things to work on, but all of us have some strengths, some things that we can do pretty well. Uh, just remembering that so that we can keep some of that confidence uh, as we move throughout our day. Super important. The system is, is designed like they, the racist jokes and humiliating and, and mocking black people in a work environment is, is such a, a standard operation uh, that that is super important, not something that's just frivolous and bringing you a half bag of peanut M&Ms and saying that you get, did a good job. Something where you just recognize like, yeah, I do have strengths. The creator did not, you know, skip me over when handing out uh, skills like I have things that I do well. I need to remember that I'm growing to add to it, but very important. Black self-respect. Other suggestions, thoughts from folks who dialed in the number again, 720-716-7300. The code five, six, four, nine, four, three pound press star six one if you would like to participate uh, other folks questions commentary proceed folks are getting their thoughts together and such. We should be here uh, tomorrow for the compensatory call-in. Wow, it's been a lot this past week uh, just trying to process uh, all the things that have happened. It's been so many uh, shootings and the trial. I'm not watching the uh, 
Derek Chauvin trial. I am aware that it's happening and I'll uh, check news reports from time to time, but I don't feel uh, compelled to sit and watch this uh, daily, uh, much like the OJ Simpson trial. Uh, but I am aware that that is, you know, big news uh, as with the Capitol shooting and the shooting in Orange County and the Colorado shooting still and the Georgia shootings and <sighs> white terrorism every day. Uh, but we'll have lots to uh, process uh, over the compensatory call in tomorrow. And then Dr. Gerald Horn should be with us on Monday. Uh, <sighs> George Foreman will be discussed, maybe even George Floyd, too. But I think George Floyd, George Foreman uh, and uh, Marvin Hagler, Muhammad Ali, many of the great Joe Lewis, a number of uh, boxing greats, victims of racism. Looking forward to Dr. Gerald Horn on uh, Monday. Don King as well. Many different uh, components in his book. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, other folks, the caller at 0889. Did you have commentary? 0889. Commentary or suggestions? Yeah, yes, I do, Gus. Um, one, on the job, now I was looking at this. I don't know if anybody brought this up about disclosing your, you know, your medical information, but there is a federal law that you don't have to disclose it to people that you don't want to know. It's called a HIPAA law. You know, ask the person to look up under HIPAA. You don't have to disclose medical, your personal medical information to people that you don't want to know, even on the job. That's all I had. Much obliged for that. That was my thinking that, you know, there's there's some support uh, if you do not want to go through all of your medical records uh, and what have you in a workplace setting like you do have some support for that uh, although I would not be this might be one that we might have to watch in terms of the COVID-19 vaccine because there's been talk all over the world of uh, vaccine passports so and I think even New York they're talking about such a program that'll be something to talk about as well um, that that may impact workplace environments but at least for the time being absolutely I think there are protections where uh, you would have some support behind not you know discussing your medical information but whew, things could change uh, with the vaccine passports and you know everything that is uh, connected to the so called pandemic uh, much obliged for the uh, if I may mm-hmm. uh, if I may you know how the system of racism and white supremacy is it a change to make it against, you know, black people's uh, favor. You know, they say, oh, you can't use that HIPAA law. We, we changed it. You're, you're right about that. <laughs> That's all I had. Absolutely. Absolutely. It just, you know, something to be uh, something to be mindful about within all of this. But, yeah, I still think that's, you know, I think that's a safe way to go. Uh, for right now in terms of making sure you're or trying to do the best you can to not be bullied or feel intimidated if somebody is trying to like corner you and what, what's your vaccine status? You got the shot yet? That type of thing. Um, much obliged, sir. Uh, other folks, if you have uh, suggestions, if we have folks, if you have been questioned about that, if you've been vaccinated or not and you figured out a codified response, this is how you deal with that. That would be appreciated. And then the uh, mail caller who wrote in who was uh, requesting information about um, what to do. He 
black coworker who is white identified and that sort of thing and is seemingly trying to uh, pick fights and or snitch uh, if folks have commentary to share proceed uh, let's see our caller I guess you're on the I don't know the Skype line is it maybe hello yes ma'am uh, hi, thank you so much for taking my call. I hope everyone's having the best evening they can have. I'm sorry about all the workplace incidents. Um, I work at home, so I'm only bullied about the vaccine by my roommate, a.k.a. mom. Um, but, you know, she can't drive anywhere, so she has to still be kind of nice to me. So I'm not in rest. Um, I'm in Georgia, so they've opened it up to everybody. But I'll get it when I when I feel like getting it. Um, when it comes to work, um, I don't know how many people are interested. Um, I'm not telling you to change your career path, whatever. But um, you know, I do taxes. Well, I help people with it. I guess I do some now, but I do that, and um, you can get. It's not. I'm going to say it's a hard job. It wasn't a hard job to get in person, but you don't necessarily go to college. Um, a lot of people are doing their taxes online, so there are a lot of companies that hire online, so always look for that. There still may be a few companies because the deadline has been extended to May, some places in June. Um, especially if you have young people and they don't want to go to college or something right away and they're thinking about what to do. Um, you can, it's not that hard to get, like, what they call the P10 number. It's really not. Um, you can become what's called an enrolled agent. You don't have to go to college for that. That's through the IRS, and that's pretty good. That's considered credential working at a lot of places, be it um, the big box or, you know, H&R Block, or I don't work there. Not that it's a bad place. I just don't work there. Or one of the online companies, that's, I mean, people, that's going to be every year, the first three, four months of the year, every year. Um, if you can, you know, the laws always change, but a good company have training to help you keep up with the laws. And even if you don't know, the, once the customer asks you, you know you better look it up and know for the next customer. Um, so I work at home. They allow me to get a new monitor. Yay. Um, you know, it's, it can be fast-paced. This particular company, they, you know, I guess they have a dynamic environment where they change things from time to time. But the basic is, so far, my 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 experience has been as long as you're doing the job, they don't bug you too much. And that's all. Thank you. much obliged for the suggestion i think anything where you can uh work from home particularly where you can have some control over your schedule your hours that sort of thing is uh always fantastic um and like you were saying things where they are looking this is something that might be what they call seasonal work but something to uh pursue and i think uh any options again where you don't have to be around a lot of folks you can like you were saying you don't have to be bullied if you're working from home you don't have to be bullied about did you get vaccinated and all that. You can just fend off your, your parents and family members who are harassing you about all of this. Um, and that, you know, investing like and just getting like you were saying, it doesn't take uh, a whole lot to pursue this field of work. <clears throat> 
in terms of getting the certifications and what have you. Uh, that was something that I talked about briefly uh, this week. Uh, I think uh, opportunities where you can invest in your career uh, are important. Uh, I put it in the context of uh, yoga. Um, it costs like literally thousands of dollars and then hundreds of hours, even more than that, really, but uh, minimum hundreds uh, of hours um, studying, reading, practicing, taking notes, taking tests. Uh, and then, as I said, thousands of dollars as well uh, to get all of the certifications so that I could teach yoga. But that investment, big payoff, taught class this morning, had uh, Dr. Ruby and folks hanging out, doing some yoga, was spectacular. We did airplane pose, uh, was awesome. Being able to, uh, opportunities where you can invest in your career, even if it might be, there might be some cost. Generally, there will be some sort of cost attached to it. Oftentimes, they can really pay off. I think in the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, racists, they just set up environments where we don't have the resources to make those sort of investments uh, in our career, in ourselves to kind of add to our toolkit. Uh, and sometimes it can be something simple so that, hey, now I can go help folks with their taxes, make a few extra nickels, get a new monitor. Everybody likes a new shiny monitor right on uh, those type of opportunities that can help. Uh, advance your career, uh, improve your quality of life. And I, again, all of us, the more uh, constructive information that we get, I think that pushes us closer to resolving the problem, the system of white supremacy. So getting as much information as we can that is helpful, constructive, so that we can you know, get other jobs, get better compensation, and uh, know more about the planet that we live on. A plus is all the waste. I think he says, learn a little bit about everything. And I want to say at this particular job, we do get to set your schedule. So I put in the hours I want when I want to work them. And um, that's, I mean, that's just tell them when I want to work. And, like, if I get up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to do some work. Let's say I get up at, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning. We're like, oh, yeah, I need to do some work. If there's room on the schedule, I log in. I can do whatever I work I need to do for a few hours and then go by and do whatever. So that that part is really nice about this job. And they're starting to hire, well, this particular year, they started to hire people with less credentials because they used to only hire people, like I said, with the credential CPA, EPA, or lawyer. And I have one of those credentials. So that's how I got in. But now they're opening it up to all different types of people and, you know, work at home. Love it, love it, love it. That can That's why I said any any of those types of jobs where you are uh, self-employed, uh, you have a business of some uh, some sort, uh, where you're an entrepreneur. Like, hey, you can greatly mitigate some components of white supremacy racism because we have so many people who. Uh, talk about scheduling problems where there's some uh, race soldier who is in control of scheduling and their schedule is not permanent. It gets switched around or they don't have seniority with scheduling and those types of things where, hey, I don't have to worry about any of that. Set my own hours, put my own schedule together so that I can work as much as I want or as little as I want. Psh, that huge for lots of folks. So 
anything that can give you a little bit more autonomy about how you use your time and energy uh, on the planet with your work schedule, A pluses. Oh, and they give you awards from time to time. So I had I got a new mailbox. It's really nice. Yay. New mailbox and improve what I just say, improve your quality of life. New mailbox. New monitor. Everybody likes to get shiny new things. Improve your quality of life. Absolutely. Make those uh invest something that, there are lots of scams and things of that nature, so certainly do your research. But I mean, if it's going to be something legitimate and, hey, this is going to, I'm going to legit be able to do some taxes. I'm going to be legit able to teach some yoga classes or whatever. Legit be able to be a physician and go out here and do some healing. Make that investment. Oh, and I just want to say, I work for a Fortune 500 company, so it's not a scam. Fortune 500 company. Not that that makes it better, but it's definitely not a scam. Got the monitor and mailbox to prove it. Hey, much obliged, much obliged. Uh, enjoy uh, all the the new gadgets, and uh, yes, use it to to help replace white supremacy with justice. You can do all kinds of things with that monitor. Uh, maybe you can get into doing some film editing or video editing. Hopefully, it's a nice, humongous uh, monitor that'll be good for your vision. Um. Let's see. Other folks, any other commentary, suggestions, observations? Uh, folks want to make sure that they get in. Can I be heard? Red in Ohio. Yes, ma'am. Um, I forgot to add one thing, and I'll try to make it really short. So the plantation where I'm currently that um they had a meeting uh this over the past week or so and in uh one of the topics they were discussing that the site where i'm currently working they may start giving um, vaccinations they got some type of approval from the state to start giving vaccinations and they were kind of going over that, and um, it actually jogged my memory. I, my memory is actually jogged by the other caller talking about HIPAA because in the meeting they were encouraging, encouraging um, the vaccinations, but they weren't forcing, and um, they were also um, encouraging people if they did get the vaccination, uh, even though that we don't offer it yet, but maybe somewhere else. Uh, to provide a copy of the vaccination card, which I thought was odd. I didn't speak up. I was just only trying to just listen, not even stay in the question lane, because that would also seem like that would be against HIPAA because you wouldn't have to share anything. But they just they use the word encouraging a lot during that segment of the meeting, which I thought was really interesting. And um, another the overall thing that I thought was the most interesting is that this is not a healthcare facility. It's nowhere close to being a healthcare facility. So um, it's very curious how other non-health-related employers would have access, possible access to the vaccine to offer to the employees. And I'll meet my line. Thank you. Hmm. 
That is interesting. I have seen that. Um, yeah, non-medical <clears throat> providers where now somehow they're going to be a vaccine uh, distribution site. Like that is, uh, did that sway your opinion? Yay, nay, get the vaccine from, from the job site or still going to think about it? Well, definitely not from, it didn't really sway me, but I would definitely not feel comfortable getting it from the job site. I don't care if they have doctors or whatever coming in. I just feel like I would be more comfortable getting it from a hospital because I would, I feel more comfortable from getting a vaccination from people who are actually uh, trained to do it and not just kind of like an on-site thing. I know I've had other jobs in the past where they would have, um, uh, I think, I forgot the ones who take the blood, but they would have like blood drives and stuff like that, which is also kind of, um, I don't think it's it's as, I don't think the setup is as good as it could possibly be. And so I wouldn't want to risk it. But no, as far as the vaccine, um, just like the other caller, I feel like I'm, I'm still kind of um, leaning more towards towards giving it. Okay. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah, that's especially as the year continues and they say more vaccines become available and they have all types of sites uh, set up. They'll probably have vaccine sites at the mall, you know, like it'll be it'll be that type of thing. And I mean, sometimes they do have blood drives uh, at malls and shopping centers, too. But hmm. Hmm. um. Fascinating, fascinating times. Uh, let's see. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, oh, and I did want to give, I guess it's it's an update in a way of speaking. We had so much commentary. Uh, our young Bay Area scholar, uh, the young fella, often in college up in the New England area, and we talked about he's going to have three roommates, potentially three white roommates, right? And so we talked about things to do to stay safe, keeping uh, taking the virus seriously, get your own refrigerator, blah blah blah. <clears throat> We're only a few months into this one-year experiment. And the three roommates have gotten dose number one of the vaccine and are awaiting dose number two. Uh, and it would seem that was the uh, the Pfizer vaccine since it's the two dose. Uh, and so it seems, unless I got it correct, that they're already excited, like, oh, we're vaccinated, blah, blah, blah. I think they even lied on the report so that they could be vaccinated early like they don't have any medical issues or anything but they told all these lies so they could get access and uh, encouraged uh, our black scholar here encouraged him to fill out a second form and lie so that he too could get uh, the vaccine early and he was you know encouraged by his intelligent logical attempted mother to not do such a thing uh, and so now to have a situation where you have a house where they are halfway vaccinated and he is not like, 
wow, like the house dynamics have changed drastically that quickly into this arrangement. Uh, I think already heard a, oh, now I see what you all were saying. <laughs> Which, and it's not, I did that twice. It's so not funny. It's so not funny. This is system of racism, white supremacy, and you want to take your health seriously. But I've said that for a long time uh, with, you know, what it means to be white sometimes that's one of those doors where people kind of have to learn for themselves like you cannot just explain it like they kind of have to (sighs) Mr. Fuller says white people can show you better than I can tell you even in 2021 that remains painfully true but he said he's going to use this as a learning experience I think we had said that from the beginning learning what does it mean to be white looking forward uh, to an update hopefully he'll be safe secure but what a learning experience in so many ways Boston go Patriots Uh, let's see other folks commentary to share I'll be heard. Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, I was thinking about, uh, in terms of a suggestion, um, which I think uh, works and it may have been discussed on the program before uh, trying to minimize um, I would well I would categorize this as minimizing anti-blackness uh, and this has happened before uh, where I would get a, a call transferred to me because I uh help facilitate getting copies for certain cases that the uh, my other co-worker doesn't have access to. So she was saying, oh, well, you know, she, she's already sounding like she has an attitude and she's, you know, cursing and everything like that. But, uh, but once I got on the phone, I just did my best to uh, have a low tone of voice, use certain terms like how you doing today and uh let me see if I can help you with that. Even sometimes the inflections, you know, I guess it's just uh I have to have a person on the phone, you know. So it seemed to work where, you know, I'm asking questions and I say, you know, I can I can get that done in just a moment or uh just using a low tone of voice when speaking to uh Customers, if you had any kind of customer service and you're speaking over the phone or if a person is in person, um, I don't know, it may be different when you're talking to, speaking to someone over the phone. I was just thinking about that uh, because this person was trying to get an order, a TPR order, um, faxed to DOR. Uh, so they were apparently very busy 
So I had faxed it over at least like five or six times. So it took up until the next morning, maybe it was like uh, yesterday morning, Thursday morning, it finally got through. So the lady called back, and I let her know that the uh, order was faxed through and everything was good to go. Um, But I wanted to start out with that to go into how I uh, have observed some anti-blackness. This next example is uh, the, the lady that does the maintenance, right, the janitor, uh, black female, she came into the area, and it was two other black females speaking to each other that, that know each other very well. So by the time the janitor lady passed by me, she turns back around and says, Oh, I said good morning, blank, and said her name. And, you know, my eyeball uh, went over to the <laughs> to my left, and then she, uh, you know, I looked at her and said, oh, I said good morning. And she's like, oh, okay, honey, like that. So, and she, um, the comparison with that was uh, two days later, that was last Monday. Two days later now, I'm setting up the passport camera, and I hear that same victim. She goes into the other side where there's the lighter complected people, and she says, good morning. I don't hear the, the slightest response, and she didn't have that same reaction. Like, I said good morning. So, you know, I, you know, I jot that kind of stuff down. Um, uh, another one was, uh, where it was another phone call from the, uh, the black female victim where she starts, uh, saying that the person, I guess, might, uh, be under a Baker Act type of MH mental health case. They call it, we call them MH. And she might have been like a party under that case. So she was saying, hey, she's going to have to go to the drive-thru because I'm not going to meet up with her because she might be uh, crazy, quote-unquote, that word crazy. And, you know, she might attack me. (laughs) And if she does that, then we're both going to be fighting and we're both going to be in jail, all right? So, you know, I don't I don't play around with that. And I'm just listening, right? Just listening. Because I choose my words, like you mentioned earlier, word, uh, word choice and how you select your terms. I don't see that kind of stuff. Like, you know, she's very um, uh, expressive with how she would carry out uh, defending herself and says that if I have to, I will go to the glove compartment and I'll clear everything out, right? So 
And so the the manager, right, she starts laughing at that. And I'm like, nah, I can't. if I would have said something like that, you know, because I have a deeper voice, everything like that, to hey, a little bit taller, it wouldn't have went over like that. Somebody would have heard it, and I would have been called into someone's office, in my opinion. But I said, I have to write that down, you know, saying, like, she's implying she has a firearm. Uh, you know, she'll clear everything out. So I wanted to share that. Uh, I have uh, actually three more. Um, the first is the another black female victim uh, went into labor a little earlier than expected. So she, the reason I'm saying this is she, uh, a couple of months ago, was meant to uh, work down in the drive-through, and she's had to go up and down those stairs, flight of stairs or whatever. And this building was built in the late seventies, so they hadn't opened this thing up in decades. So it's not the most cleanly place or whatever. So, but they had her working down there, and not the other females in the department, white females. So uh, I was speaking to a victim about how she said she was going to ask this other victim, do you think that uh, your baby being born early, uh, it might have something to do with her undergoing a lot of the stress from working down in that drive-thru and having to maneuver up and down those stairs. So I said, that that is a good point. Uh, I wanted to mention that. Uh, two more things. Um, there, okay. Like I mentioned the click, right? The game. The reason I say that is because, once again, it's this one white woman that has so much, uh, like, power connection to the person I call the warden. Um, and she brought another, uh, young white female around and she was introducing her, right? So she was saying, yeah, this is my friend, such and such. And she's over the cashier. So I don't even really think that's a good idea, but apparently she was given the job and she's been at it onto the staff. So uh, apparently this white woman has a large amount of connections with the uh, the administrator, HR person, you know. So it's no telling how long it's going to be until she's in all of the chats, all of the emails, stuff like that. Um, I'm going to definitely be on the lookout for that. And I was noticing something. One my last thing, I was noticing how like every time when I speak out about something, they know I'm talking about racism, you know, or injustice, right? You know, like if, for instance, if we're walking to, uh, to exit 
the office for the day, I said, I'm going to wait and let some people walk in front of me so they'll walk uh, past the supervisor's doorway. So in her line of sight, she'll say, oh, well, good night, such and such. It's always, I wouldn't say always, like a lot of the time, she'll say good night mainly to me. And then, well, sometimes she'll say good night, everyone, but she'll always individualize my name. And then there's other times she'll say it to me and won't say it to anyone else. So, you know, I picked up on that pattern as well. Um, and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Much obliged caller in Florida. Hmm. The uh, Allison Manswell, she was a guest on the program in 2016. Uh, she wrote the book, Listen In. <clears throat> and uh, when she was on the program, she talked about telling black females exclusively to speak up, put some bass in your voice. You know, you stand up tall, you stand up straight, you know, you speak with authority and competence. She said, I don't tell that to black males. You have to be quiet speak softly low tones no yelling probably don't want to do a whole lot of standing and hovering if you're a taller unless you're you know five six or you know something like that sit down be nice yes absolutely I'd be happy to help you with that which still might be interpreted as I would like to sell you crack cocaine and rape your child, but you do the best that you can with calm voice, smooth tone, black male privilege, 2021. Uh, with, with the anti-blackness, uh, did you say that that was, uh, a so-called Asian person that came through? and said I did you hear me say good morning you speak to me when I talk is that what you said you said that was an Asian person oh no that was a, uh, a a black female a black person it was a it was a black female speaking to another black female I get mistaken sometimes when I hear anti-blackness they just you know everybody's been saying that Asian people, I get confused. So it was a black female who said this to another black female. Uh, you heard me talking to you. You speak to me when I come through here. And then, that's the exact exercise we have talked about and others for years. Set up the exact same scenario and just let's see how this would happen if a white person or white people were the ones that we were going to go and do this. Hey, good morning crickets this is <laughs> once we have left the segregated section of the courthouse crickets we don't acknowledge niggers around here she doesn't get mad doesn't did you hear me you, you acknowledge my salute none of that now that right there tells me a whole lot it's, it's not that I need you to go over there and do the same thing like hey you speak just why do you have to treat me like that why do, I mean we don't even have to talk it's totally fine like nod don't nod 
we'll go about our business in the day. But I mean, the, and I mean, that happens regularly. He mentioned a few weeks back where a black person, I believe came, uh, where is that no good such and such the name calling? Where is that no good? I came over to heckle them, you know, for five minutes. <laughs> really? Do you go and heckle the people outside the segregated section? That's how you go and, and talk to them, make up names that are, that's not what they want to be called. Uh, and you just go there with the expressed intent of aggravating them. <sighs> Everybody is trained to be anti-black in the system of white supremacy even other black people that's what we're trying to correct uh, let's see that it's seen, I've seen that as well where a lot of individuals classified as white they have so much freedom in so many realms of their life where they can brag about you know I can't I can't take this customer because you know she has an attitude and with her behavior and you know I'm, I'm liable to go upside her head you know we'll be fighting up here because I'm just not going to take you know that's like that's another one Allison Manswell black male you had better not come in there talking about I don't take you know lip from nobody I'll go upside somebody what do what are you talking about threatening a customer oh my god I'm going to report this right you will end up in human resources uh, for something like that. Talking about uh, you're going to shank somebody in the workplace. You're going to defend yourself uh, in the workplace. That is not allowed. We don't even allow you to talk aggressively in the workplace, much less uh, the fella said he was ready to shank you <laughs> before just for walking through the aisle. Like, come on, come on. I would write that down again. Just it is amazing. Uh, the the freedom in all types of manner total freedom in terms of behavior individuals classified as white and in my experience frequently white women have in the workplace it is astounding uh, let's see the whew, we have talked about maternal health uh, infant health for black people, individuals classified as black. That was a big subject in uh, Judith Van Laysen. Uh You are what your grandparents ate. And in fact, that was a big subject in Harriet A. Washington, A Terrible Thing to Waste, where she talked about environmental racism uh, and she talked about moms in environments like that. And the, wow, maybe having to go up all those stairs, being in that musty environment and all that maybe that had something to do with her pregnancy child being born a little bit early maybe hmm that sort of experience seems to be very common for black mothers uh, in work environments where nobody cares there's no sympathy and so we're not uh, I think uh, it was it was a different black mom. She was having scheduling issues and there was no sympathy then either. Uh, they were trying to accommodate, you know, how she was going to be working. And uh, they were having uh, the furloughs and what have you, the change of schedules at the courthouse. And they didn't have any sympathy then either. Uh, so black females, black moms not getting the best food quality. And then who knows what she's breathing being in that. It must be who I, I can't imagine if she's down there that it's going to have 
tremendous ventilation. I can't imagine that oh, we, we're so concerned about black mommies that we're going to get uh, the best quality air filters to, to put right down here and make sure that, you know, we do everything we can to make sure that she's taken care of and well during this really sensitive period. Like, I doubt it. Uh, that's why I tend to think, yeah, there could be some validity to the reports that black maternal health major problem in the system of white supremacy, especially in the U S and then you come add diet to that as well. Uh, and then infant health major prop, all that stress and everything for the child as well. Like system of white supremacy at work right there on generational impact of the system of white supremacy. Uh, and then the, uh, the nepotism, uh, again, imagine that where you have homies like your friends or sometimes it'll be relatives, whatever. They are homies with human resources. Job opening. Mm. We don't even have to advertise, homie. You got it. <laughs> like, uh, don't even worry about it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Like, uh, we never hear that black person that's not my experience I don't remember that in the archives where somebody was you know yeah you know I got this new job I've been looking around poking around I was a little bit nervous but my homie he works in human resources and whammo I was able to hook him up and get him hired and all the rest I mean man nepotism system of whites you don't even have to be qualified a lot of times it won't, it won't even be like I was super qualified and I had every criteria that they had I checked off and then so it, a lot of times it's not even that it's just I know Fred and we're cool and he said they had a job for systems operator like it's not systems operator it's systems and well whatever that is but I told Fred I wanted a job and so he hooked it up like so and then they have the audacity to come back and complain about affirmative action or whatever else it is <sighs> nepotism system of white supremacy uh much obliged uh, caller in Florida. White people are not. We got another one too. White people are never ignorant about racism, white supremacy, and particularly they are not ignorant once they identify a nigger that is a little bit less confused about this problem. There's <laughs> going to be tons of texting and unjust networking and chatter about one such a person. Believe it. Let's see. Uh, other folks, any other suggestions, comments, uh, things that they want to share last few minutes before we wrap up for this week, neutralizing workplace racism? Hi, can you hear me? Bay Area mom. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So today I was told that um, I was violating HIPAA law <laughs> by uh, doing so much work for the for the school district while I'm in session. Um, so uh, they uh, decreased uh, in June. It'll be my last hands-on session for um, helping with school. So I, I just wanted to add that because it was a bit hectic, but um, the insurance complained about how come he's not prospering as far as uh, what I'm doing, 
with him, and um, the black supervisor said she literally had to fight for the case and say that um, it's because I spent so much time with his school. And um, so they're diminishing the school, uh, phasing out the school, me working with school, and I don't know how that's going to work at all, but uh, we told the mom today that and um, increase the um, hours, but um, decrease um, and delete the school assistance. Because now they're sending packets. They sent a packet today, and it's addressed to me <laughs> for me to do. I haven't looked at it yet. I guess I'll look at it on Monday. But I just wanted to add that since we were talking about the uh, HEPA law. Okay, I'll meet my line back. more HIPAA references than we've had uh, on a workplace racism program in some time. Uh, much obliged Bay Area mom. Uh, I, I think you acknowledged a few times that the black supervisor, non-white supervisor, that she's been so much more helpful uh, in advocating for you and, and trying to do do this job correctly um, than any of the other folks. Um, that is common. I'm not going to say all the time, but I think I've heard frequently uh, where black people are there they are trying generally speaking to do the correct thing Uh, like I said certainly not the case all the time but generally trying to do the correct thing trying to be more constructive more helpful in her position than any of the other folks advocating like hey she's not even able to do all the services that we're contracting her to do because she's doing this other work which you've you know told us about repeatedly uh, in all of this, I think that might even be another insert for white people not caring about children. But, uh, yeah, anywho, much obliged for the uh, additional input, uh, Bay Area Mom. Uh, any other folks, comments, suggestions they want to make sure they get in before we conclude? May I be hurt? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, yes. Um, as I was listening to everyone else, um, I, it reminded me of the time I had on the, on the plantation where um, I was getting off the elevator and um, one of the other people who were on the elevator said, told me, see you later, killer. Um, and I said back to him, okay, murderer. But then he said, no, no, your gloves because I was wearing gloves, you know, OJ. And, you know, I just want to point that out. It was uh, said to me by a non-white um, Asian, uh, quote-unquote Asian person. But that's all. Uh, I mute my line. Arenthal James. Arenthal James. Uh, we will never be done with Arenthal James. Um I can't even imagine the generation where you say OJ and people are like, who, what? <laughs> Anywho. Uh, yeah, that's, we've talked, I mean, the tackiness all the way around. And we talked about that being referred to in that sort of manner in a workplace uh, setting. Like, does that happen with other folks? Uh, killer. And then when you respond, okay, murder. Oh no, 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 no. I'm just, it's OJ, you know, OJ, remember? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, uh, what? 
are these Aries light gloves? I mean, those are the gloves that we're talking about. Is that what I'm wearing here? Like, what are you talking about? Are you serious? Everybody is itching to talk about Oriental James Simpson. Anti-blackness is uh, rampant. Talk about anti-blackness. O.J. Simpson, uh, the poster person uh, for anti-blackness for decades now, but anti-blackness is rampant in the system of white supremacy. Black, get back. Uh, I would at all times. That might even be one where you can employ uh, Emmy's stare. And then walk away, make it just awkward and silent. Like, ew, he didn't. I was doing my OJ. You didn't. Hmm. Awkward Negroes. Like, <laughs> they can go on about our business, keep it professional in the future. Uh, any other uh, commentary? Folks want to make sure. I will do that next time. Oh, the state. Lethal. That's a good one from Emmy. Lethal. Nothing need to be said. I always love efficiency when nothing need be said. Any other comments, suggestions? I mean, have you heard? Caller in Florida, yes, sir. Uh, yes, uh, I wanted to share two um, additional things. Um, as far as the that new person that got added on to the staff, a metaphor was used by the supervisor um, who's very refined. Uh, I asked a question when, as she was leaving, telling uh, me and the two other black uh, coworkers that she was going to interview a new person. She said she interviewed a second person. But see, she didn't tell me that it was a person that eventually got added on to the staff. She was uh, speaking in a, such a way like she wasn't very comprehensive, she wasn't responding very well, and she seemed like she lacked experience. And she used the metaphor, I thought that she would need a lot of hand-holding. You would have to hold her hand a lot. So uh, I just let that, just that statement just sit like that. And, you know, she walked away, and I thought about, and so she also said that she interviewed her and two other people, uh, supervisors interviewed her. Um, but apparently, and I also asked about the warden's discretion, and she, and she did not answer my question. She started talking about the budget, state of Florida's budget, for official records, and uh, I think she was prepared somewhat, but I, I still had some questions, but I said, you know, I'll, I'll mention them later. Uh, but anyways, this was a person that was not qualified, but see, she is, though, because she's classified as a white person, and the same person that she rejected got accepted elsewhere in the same office, in the same courthouse. Uh, so racism was practiced by her because she knew that she got hired on, but she worded it. She worded it to me as though they rejected her. Uh, and it's been 
three months since the void has been there at that desk. Uh, so I wanted to ask skin color. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think they've been turning down a lot of black people for that spot. Uh, and, and one last thing I wanted to share is uh, the, the the stereotypes and the associations with criminality and being a killer, a murderer. This one, like, I, I was thinking about this. This happened today. Um, passport photos. It was a, a black female, a young black male child, maybe like seven to eight years old. And it was an even younger uh, black female toddler. So I took a picture of the, 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 you know, the black son, the black male. So I gave him his photograph. So when you, when you're taking a photograph, you can't really do too much smiling or grinning or whatever. Um, you're supposed to have just a, what they call a straight face or not sharing or showing, displaying too much emotion. So I gave him his photographs and he was looking at the thumbnails and I think his mom said something like, Oh, you look like your your dad or something like that. And then he said, I look like my dad. Oh no, I you know, I don't I don't wanna look like my dad and and the white person they knew, they said, You all look like a bunch of criminals. So she got a racist insult on in there. So I was like, wow, like, it, it all happened so fast. Um, you know, he rejected the image of his uh, attempted father. So they might have been trying to uh, make some kind of a anti-black insult on the, the black male and that, that O.J. Simpson again. So I just wanted to share that, and, and that's all. Thank you. Talk about deflating. Uh, Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, she said, uh, you show me a black person uh, who, you know, despises uh, their attempted mother or attempted father. Uh, and that's black self-respect score at 50. Uh, that's, you know, these are the two people responsible for your existence, you know, contributed your DNA and everything. And, you know, that sort of commentary, black self-respect score at 50, which is an F. Um, wow. Anti-blackness. <laughs> That's, I guess, a secondary theme. Anti-blackness. I don't think he said these folks were born in Korea or China or Japan either, but I could have misheard maybe. But uh, anti-blackness, even to, to make a statement like that, like man like black self-respect would require that to be corrected like immediately like don't ever say that like I don't care what sort of relationship you have with the parent like that is oh that is horrendous <laughs> that is horrendous like uh oh and then to have that compounded you all look like a bunch of criminals like what in the world like <sighs> yeah 
constant. I mean, imagine that for a black child. Like, what? what is that black child's brain computer? Like, you're bombarded, you go home, and, and the run of his life is on television, and uh, commentary about, you know, black George Floyd child. I guess you can go home and watch that. They can talk about what a drug addict he was. And then, oh my God, I look like my dad. That's horrible. What am I going to do? And I look like a criminal. We didn't even... I, we look like some criminals. <sighs> Deflating, uh, as I said, um, <laughs> man. And then you wonder how individuals end up being monsters and monstrosities in the system of white supremacy. What do you feel like literally and figuratively? And then you wash all that down. We, I feel bad. So now we go get some Cheetos so I can wash all that down. Peanut M&Ms. And wonder how you end up with monsters and monstrosities. That's what I've been called my whole life. That's what I've been told my whole life. Your father is a monstrosity. You don't want to look like him. We are criminals and monstrosities. Just our normal look something about us is criminal. Whew. Man. Uh, all of that aside the nepotism I think he had been talking about them not filling positions where they had vacancies that were impacting his department specifically like hey we over in the, the segregated area need help too like can we you know get this void filled why is it that white people don't have to wait so long to get uh, their staffing shortages corrected uh, and apparently they can hire incompetent white people to fill staffing voids. So if that's the case, you could give some incompetent, underqualified black people. Give them a role. Let them hang out in the segregated section. At least find somebody that's professional and then, you know, maybe we can train them uh, the rest of the way. But I mean, we can't even do that? Eh. Can you, we can't even get like an unqualified white person to come over here and fill some of our staffing vacancies. Eh. Uh, nepotism and again uh, white people look out uh, they can talk about all that uh, mooching and handouts they have all those uh, derogatory terms right when they when they'll say something like affirmative action which is all for white this might have been affirmative action right there it seems like it was white women that were the beneficiaries of these uh, unqualified hirings so that might have been some affirmative action right there uh, but they'll be really derogatory when they talk about this in association to helping black people, non-white people, white people help white people all the time. White people don't even get along with other white people and they still helping out, looking out. Let me, I got you. I got you. Don't worry about it. You didn't graduate high school. No problem. We got you, Mark Furman. Come on, help us get OJ. Come on. You didn't, gra you didn't finish college. No problem. No problem. We got you. Come on, get a job at the courthouse. We got you. That is the system that we have, folks, just trying to solve justice as quick as possible. And it's dangerous. I guess that's something to keep in mind, too. Dr. Kambon talks about it. When you live in a world where you have all these businesses, where you have individuals who are classified as white, who are incompetent and not qualified to have these jobs, that can produce a lot of problems too. Enron and the like, those type of things. Uh, another reason we should want to get this problem solved quickly like shouldn't have that sort of thing in the first place have people who are competent ready to work that way we can get we can quickly get to a time where maybe we only have to work three days a week two days a week have light work and all be done because we don't have shiftless unqualified incompetent folks working with us
white nepotism. Anywho, uh, I second we got everything done uh, for the broadcast. Much obliged for everyone's uh, participation. Be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in Monday. Dr. Gerald Horn, George Foreman for real. Uh, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. Uh, we will need a fully functioning brain computer. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled. If you got to go out, man, it's shooting in California, Orange County this week. The Capitol killed a person, struck him with the vehicle. They had the shooting in Georgia not that long ago, shooting in Colorado. That's just the bigger news items. Dangerous times. I would be very alert if you're out and about in public. Uh, if you... <clears throat> If you see someone being hostile and loud, you should be thinking this person may be armed. It is very possible. In fact, they might have a whole cadre of armed gals and guys waiting to do harm. Ambush, as they call it. Exit. This is no time to be in verbal, verbal skirmishes with strangers. We're sober buckled driver or passenger if you're driving you're not on the cell phone we're minimizing contact with the Mark Furmans of the known universe and we need all of our attention that said creator we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people victims of white supremacy we ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.